With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Ah, yes, living the dream once again here on this fabulous Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Orenberger with you. Ready to talk about everything happening in a very busy world of sports. Richie, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, Steve. Happy to be here on a Sunday. Look, it's interesting, right? We always say there's these dead spots on the sports calendar, and then bafflingly we're wrong. There's always something to talk about because somebody's making noise somewhere. Somebody's getting beat who shouldn't be, and it just the the beat rolls on. That's how it goes. All right, so a lot of things we're going to update you on throughout the show today. Number one, obviously, is the deadline for Major League Baseball. Negotiations did not go well yesterday. In fact, they were so bad, the players' union was ready to walk out on the negotiations Cooler heads prevail. They're back at it again today, and it's a very simple formula. If we do not have a new CBA collective bargaining agreement in place by tomorrow, they will start canceling games. There will be no postponement of games, no moving of games. We will be canceling games if a CBA is not in uh, place by tomorrow. And at this point, that does not look promising. So, I mean, we we talked to Gene Orza last week, uh, Rich, the uh, former COO, general counsel for the players uni he told us about all the negotiations he made a good point about you really need to be in the room none of these zoom calls you know none of virtual and all this kind of stuff you need to be in a room because many times you'll be sitting there for hours and hours and hours and then finally you need a bathroom break right (laughs) and now you're suddenly at the urinal next to the guy you've been going toe-to-toe with and more gets done in the conversation at the urinal than actually got done in that boardroom so Hopefully some miracle is going to happen today because if it gets to tomorrow, you really got a sense that, uh, and the danger, you know this, Rich, once you cancel one game, 
what's one game becomes 10, 10 becomes 20. And the next thing you know, we have a repeat of what we had in 2020, a 60-game season. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But we will update you anything that we have throughout this day. Uh, any optimism on your side at all, Rich, about getting some resolve by tomorrow? No, 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 no. I, I, I was never optimistic that a full 162 games would be played this MLB season because this collective bargaining agreement loomed with a different feel than in past um, labor disputes. Over the past two times that the owners and the players have sat down and struck a new deal, the players really felt like they got shafted. And that's in part the players' problem, right? You know, they haven't been a strong enough union. They haven't been aggressive enough negotiators. So if you're getting walked all over in these negotiations or if you feel as though you've been walked all over, look, you have equal say in this. Your your product, your production on the field is as important as the owner spending the money to have you out there on the field to provide ballparks for you to play on uh, across this country and to hash out these network deals. So it's it's part your fault if you feel as though the negotiations weren't fair. The other side of it that made me pessimistic about this in the first place was the fact that during the pandemic, the world was shut down. And these players were, yes, arguing over some health and safety protocols to be put in place during the pandemic, but also they were arguing over money. If there was any indication that this wasn't going to go well, it was the fact that during a global pandemic, the most important part of the discussion between the players and the owners was prorated salaries, was was the, the, the fiscal, the dollars, the finances. It really wasn't about, hey, should we socially distance in the clubhouse or in the bullpen or, you know, in the dugout? It was more like, hey, are we going to get paid appropriately? We need remuneration. And so, yeah, from the jump, Stephen, you know I've been consistent with this. I think there's going to be a significant chunk of this season missing. A lot of people always think about Major League Baseball in terms of the outliers, like attendance has been down for many, many years Television ratings are not good, certainly by comparison to the NFL or NBA or any of that. But finally, we are able to find out just how money, how much money there was in baseball because they opened up the financial report on the Atlanta Braves. Mm-hmm. And what do we find out? That for the first time, they've surpassed a half a billion dollars of revenue in 2021, $468 million that means they made $6 million in revenue per game, per game. That's just one team. So as the owners have been trying to scream poverty, that it's going to be a long recovery from the shortened 2020 season, that's garbage. Um, and, of course, we know that the owners are trying to drive toward a hard cap, which they say is needs to be done if we're going to have competitive balance in Major League Baseball. None of this is true. None of this is true. This is about suppressing the players' salaries. Now, you say, well, I'm not going to cry about these players. We got players making as much as $40 million a year. I've never been into that. You know, I've always stood this. Look, when you say somebody's overpaid, no one is overpaid. In other words, if somebody is willing to pay somebody whatever it is, whatever the job they are being paid because somebody believes they're worth that amount of money. So I've never bought into this, well, this guy's overpaid, he's blah, 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 none of that. Um, but the only way that the players can get the upper hand or even play at an evil playing field as the owners 
is they got to stay unified here, Rich. And this was the strength of the players' union back in the days of Marvin Miller and Donald Fear when they were the strongest union in America. They never broke rank, ever, 100% unified. The guy that changed that from the owner's standpoint was their general counsel by the name of Rob Manfred. Yep. Rob Manfred jumped in, and he stood him, you know, with Gene Orza, and, and he stood toe-to-toe, and he was able to gain the upper hand for the owners, which is why he was rewarded to become the commissioner of Major League well, Baseball. And, and everybody gets it very confused about, you know, the public-facing persona of these commissioners and what they actually, what purpose they actually serve right. for the people they represent, which is the owners. Yeah, I know. Roger Goodell, you know, he steps in it a lot, especially when it comes to domestic violence in the NFL and especially handling certain disputes or certain discipline but overall, he's made the owners more money. Yes. And I'm talking about, you know, if you if you uh, prorate inflation, if you include everything, right? This is the best era financially for the NFL above any other era, right? He's, he's led to global, you know, increased global expansion of the game, et cetera, et cetera. Rob Manfred has made the owners more money during yes. this period of time than any other commissioner in the history of the league. Now, I understand it's more difficult to prove that because baseball, I should say the owners, are much tighter with how much money comes in. And we have a little bit of a vista into the books with the Green Bay Packers because they're publicly owned in the NFL. But trust me when I tell you, Major League Baseball is trotting, trotting out their front man, Rob Manfred, to take the slings and arrows from the general public, and he's doing a good job of it because while everybody is talking about how bad Rob Manfred's at his job the owners the 30 of them the ownership groups they're protected because he's taking all the the bad PR hit and meanwhile they're all making more loot than they ever have in the history of the game yeah and uh, now a little opening of the books by the Braves proves it uh in, in 2021 in the aftermath of a shortened 2020 season so We'll see what happens today. Negotiations will continue on, but most likely we are going to see games canceled for the first time since 1995 in Major League Baseball, not counting, of course, the uh, the pandemic season of 2020. Uh, and even in 2020, remember this, when we finally got that season started for a 60-game season, all the things that were finally agreed upon, the distribution of money, we kept saying, you could have done this a month ago. Remember, we were talking about a 100-game season. The original target, I think, was 4th of July. We were going to get a 4th of July start to the Major League Baseball season, and it dragged on for a full month after that before we got things started. And you're like, why? when we finally finally heard the terms of what they had agreed upon, you're like, you could have done this a month ago. <laughs> we could have had a 100-game season instead of a 60-game season. So, But once you've been down that path and you know the expansion of the playoffs, now this is a big nut for the – for the players, and they have said this because, you know, the owners won a 16-game playoff, a 16-team playoff, and the players won 12 or whatever it might be, but that's a bargaining chip. And one of the things the players have said, if we don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place by tomorrow, that's off the table. Yeah. That's yeah. off the table. So that's yep. their that's their last second, and why does that mean anything? Because from a network contract situation with Fox, which has been carrying postseason baseball and the other outlets, that's where the big network money comes from is the postseason of baseball. We'll see if that plays in, into this equation here uh, because that's that's a big part of it. It's a huge part of it, and it's it's a leverage play. 
and every side, each side, I should say, has a leverage play. I think one of the biggest things that isn't being discussed about the fact that a season could be shortened and what that means for the players is I don't think the owners are looking at in any fear of looking at having to pay these players their actual salaries if they start missing games because there's been precedent set. And I understand, but going back to the the global pandemic, the 2020 shortened season where players only earned for the games that they were actually, actually out there playing, right? You know, so say, say you have a $30 million, I'm using round numbers because I'm terrible at math, but say you have a $30 million salary you have to pay a star third baseman. Well, if he only plays a third of the season, you only have to pay him $10 million that year. So in 2020, all of these players were only paid for the games that they actually played on a prorated basis. That's what I think is at play here. I think the owners feel like if we shorten this season, we're actually going to make more money because they made a lot of money in 2020. Baseball was profitable in 2020. I mean, the network contracts still paid out. You know, they, in good faith, provided content for these network broadcasters, and they make a profit when that occurs. So really what this boils down to is the owners figuring that if we start canceling games here and we try to shift the blame onto the players, they're going to take the public relations hit. We're not going to have to pay them their full salaries. And what's their leverage on their side? They're going to threaten not allowing us to get expanded playoffs in 2022. I think that is a place that's a hill they're willing to die on. I'm talking about the owners because down the road somewhere, I bet you they still get expanded playoffs. So this is all a long play and a short play happening at once. And unfortunately for for the players, they're getting backed into a corner. The one thing I know that will shift fan uh, perception in favor of the players, if the drumbeat starts banging uh, against owners because they're saying, look, these are the ones who initiated this. This group locked out the players initially, and because of that, you know, we're going to blame these billionaire owners over these millionaire players, and hopefully we could get something done soon. All right, so while baseball's on hold right now, I'll tell you what's full speed ahead. College basketball. A historic night last night in college basketball and how it sets up a return to normalcy for March Madness. Coming up next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Steve Harbin, Rich Ornberger, Fox Sports Sunday. By the way, we have the real Don Brown. Yeah. On the board. I had him on yesterday. He ventures in once every, what is it, Don? Like two or three months you venture in here. and Some, Something around that. Yeah. Something. All of a sudden, I see, and then Don Brown is on the uh, schedule. So. It's good. 
Good. Yeah. I love his uh, soothing baritone oh. and his excellence uh, operating the spaceship board that we have behind the glass. He's that, on the wrong side of the glass. I've I mean, been, those yeah. Pipes. Yeah, that's me? that's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, we should switch spots. Although I'm sure I would be launching <laughs> things like that thing that the, the all the buttons, all the levers, all that. You know, they don't let me anywhere near that sucker. No, he has a, a coolness at the board uh, unlike any. So uh, great to have Don around out here. All right, let me let me go over what happened in college basketball last night. Number one, Gonzaga lost. Number two, Arizona lost. Number three, Auburn lost. Number four, uh, Purdue lost. Number five, Kansas lost. Number six, Kentucky lost. Number nine, Texas Tech lost um never in the history of the ap basketball <laughs> poll have seven top 10 teams lost the same day much less the top six teams all losing on the same day i checked in when it was four of the top 10 teams had fallen and i was like well i mean it's late so yeah. surely <laughs> surely that the bleeding has stopped One, there two three four five six and nine all Unreal. on the same day now what is what's happening here in college basketball well there's a couple explanations for how this could possibly happen again an unprecedented day in the history of college basketball one is that we got all these makeup games so remember in December and January at the height of the Omicron uh, outbreak, a lot of games were postponed, moved, conference games, and now they got to make up these games. So what's happening, a lot of these coaches, I know Mick Cronin's doing this at UCLA, realizing that, hey, we're a week away from the conference tournament, which has a big bearing on seedings for the upcoming NCAA tournament. I mean, all these teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament, but it's about seeding the resting players right now. I don't think it's really going to shake up. When when the top six teams all lose, then there's really not a lot of shakeup as far as the polls are concerned. They all lost, so they're pretty much going to stand pat. But this is what's happening for these coaches, Rich, where they're sitting players, they're, they're cutting back on minutes because you do have the conference tournaments coming up where you have to play back-to-back-to-back nights, and you got to save your talent. So it really comes as no surprise that we're getting the so-called upsets late in the regular season. But think about this. Two years ago, the pandemic struck right at the outset of the NCAA tournament, and it was canceled. We had no NCAA tournament. Last year, every game was played in Indianapolis. The entire tournament was played in one city. Remember how crazy that was? Field at 68, and you're, you're sitting there. And, of course, my UCLA Bruins ended up having to stay for three weeks because they went from the first four to the final four. This year, we're back to normal. We're back to normal. We got sites, first and second round sites all over the country, regionals all over the country. Um, we're back to normal. And if yesterday was any indication, a little sneak preview of what we're going to have in March Madness, it's wide open. I mean, oh, yeah. this is going to be phenomenal. We're going to be reminded again why March Madness is at the upper level. I mean, you can talk about Super Bowl. You can talk about World Series. The uniqueness of March Madness just sets it apart from every other sporting event, and it does look like we're going to have an absolute wide open field where several teams 
have a chance to walk away with a true, true, unlike college football, a true national championship. Well, I, you know what? I want to go back to the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl to explain why I think that March Madness and college basketball's postseason is going to be so good. Look, in the NFL, they've gone through great lengths to make for as much parity as possible because as we've seen in prime time throughout the regular season this year, as we saw in the postseason this year in the NFL, when you have teams who stand on equal footing, you have outcomes that are closer at the end of the game, which makes for better finishes, what makes for uh, uh, better numbers from a rating standpoint. And that's what this is all about, right? Yes, the content is important, but the most important things to the league and to their network broadcast partners is that you're sticking around and watching advertisements. That's how this all works. So if you have exciting content, people will be more prone to stay right there in their seats, to leave the channel that you are broadcasting your game on right there when they go for their bathroom breaks so that when they come back, they're watching exactly what the network broadcast partners are hoping you're watching. Now, how did they get to that parody in the NFL? It was by, for two things. One happened just naturally. The other thing they they meddled with. They changed the rules to make it more about offense and gameplay from an offensive standpoint. Protecting the quarterbacks better, protecting the receivers better, making so that both offenses are really in an arms race, and it's a race to the end of four quarters. The other thing is quarterbacks at the youth level got smart. You have most... Anybody who has even a shot to play college football by the time they're in eighth grade working with an individual quarterback guru who is going to help walk them through the paces and get them ready for college. And then ready to make the jump into the pros if they're talented enough after only two years in college. And then, oh, by the way, the transfer portal in college is making it so that more players are going to have more opportunities earlier in their college career so that they can get to the NFL and start impacting teams and making more quality and parity amongst teams in the NFL. Now, how does that relate to college basketball? The same exact thing is happening. In college basketball, it has become about the perimeter game. You don't have to be six foot six with an unbelievable mid-range jump shot or, or fadeaway to play at the college level at the shooting guard position anymore. Right? You don't have to be a power forward who's six foot ten, six foot eleven, who can, you know, catch everything and box people out and 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 make plays in the paint. You could be a six foot three, six foot four sharpshooter, and you could change the paradigm for your team altogether. Transfer portal affects college basketball from a parity standpoint, and all these teams are now developing strategies to compete with the blue bloods, like the Dukes, like the Kentuckys. It's happening everywhere you look in sports. Better parity leads to a better viewership product, and come March Madness, we're going to see, I think, probably the most one seeds and two seeds and three seeds topple in the history of this tournament because it just feels wide open right now. Well, and again, you don't need stars for it to be a great tournament since this in 2011 and 2012, the most outstanding player, the MOP, as they do with the NCAA tournament, Kemba Walker in 2011, Anthony Davis in 2012, two established all-stars at the NBA level. Since then, you've seen the likes of Final Four MOPs, Luke Hancock, Tyus Jones, Joel Berry, Dante DiVizenzo, Kyle Guy. Last year, Jared Butler, Butler, uh, a Baylor, right? You know what he do, he's done this year in his rookie season in the NBA with Utah? He's averaging three points a game. 
one rebound, one assist. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. That's doesn't the matter. Br- that's the brilliant thing that the tournament is so much bigger than the actual star power of the players, the format of this tournament, and all you want is competitive games. And the competitive balance is so tight these days. All these buzzer beaters that we saw yesterday and the favorites going down, you're going to see that throughout this tournament. I cannot wait. We're two weeks away from today. Two weeks from today, Richie. We're going to be talking about <laughs> Selection Sunday, uh, getting ready for our brackets, and uh, oh, it's going to be absolutely fabulous. All right. Much more. We're going to hopscotch around. we got a lot of things to cover today, but right now let's find out what's trending. That's right. Let's bring on you-know-who. He's like the voice of basketball, David Gascon. I mean, you got to be ultrally excited about the uh, Penny March Madness because based on what we saw yesterday, man, this is – we're going to see a lot of buzzer beaters in this tournament. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I'll be uh, be at Boise on Tuesday night. Nice. Yeah, boys in Nevada, so it'll be fun. Nice. Yeah, well, there you go. You know. I mean, you you you've done a lot of college basketball over the years. I have. And you know, you get to this time of the year, man, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, these obscure schools from these obscure conferences. Yeah. Remember, you have a 68 team field, 32 automatic qualifiers, and people are like, "There are 32 conferences? Yeah. I didn't know there were." <laughs> No. What, 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 what conference? It's there like are 32 half, conferences? Half the time you're trying to figure out their mascot. The other half you're right. trying to figure out the conference. And then and then to boot, you're just trying to figure out what state they're in. Well, yeah. I, I always tell my my favorite story was um, one of our news anchors at KTLA. She had never never been in the brackets right before. Right? Yeah. So she, she's from Philadelphia. I mean, she knew Villanova. She picked them and they won the championship that year. She Shock. actually won. But I remember her looking at the bracket. First time she ever seen a bracket. And she goes, so where is Ball Street? <laughs> I go, no, that's Ball State. <laughs> St. St. Period means state, not street. Uh, and she ends up winning. So it's just something everyone gets involved in. It's a it's an American phenomenon. I couldn't be more excited. Which is which is interesting because do you think we can ever get that kind of excitement for college football? In I a would con- dream of it. In a I would dream version of, it? of a playoff. 16, oh, it's got to be a sixteen school tournament, just like they have at one double A FCS. If you you got to expand it. Division you two, expand division it. three, and yeah, and because you have to people have will throw qualifiers. In, people will throw in behind. People will throw in behind a Cinderella in college football too. Now, I, I mean, again, you're talking about gate attendance and things like that. Yeah. You know, some of these smaller schools may not encourage a large enough fan base to come and you know visit Pasadena for the Rose Bowl or wherever the national championship is played that year, but. When when does that really matter? You know what I mean. Like it's all about broadcast dollars these days. Look, so I mean, look, it's such an easy formula. Look, you got ten conferences in the FBS. Yeah, ten conference champions are automatic qualifiers. Six at large bids. Yeah, you'll get the best teams out there. You say, well, first round game Alabama Akron. That could be a sixty three nothing game. So we get first round games like that in the NCAA basketball tournament. It doesn't matter, but you but to be in that. Can you imagine the conference championship games yeah. in each of those ten conferences, knowing that you're punching your ticket to the tournament? Huge. And you know what? I mean, you'd hate to see it happen, but what does happen if there's a major injury for a perennial powerhouse? You never know. Upsets happen. Butler was in back-to-back 
national championship games in basketball. Yeah. Back to back. It's just ridiculous. Butler was. <laughs> so I I, uh, I I dream of it in college football, but the reality is we have it in basketball. There's nothing like it, especially because you go from CBS to TNT to uh. TBS uh, uh, it was like well, the USA Thursday Network. And Fridays, and, and we, we've said this many times. There's no reason for any. They have to shut down the country on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yeah. Got 16 games on Thursday, 16 That's on true. Friday. Everyone is staring at their brackets. You know that. Yeah. For, yeah. for those two days, you're staring at brackets all day long. Yeah. Nobody's getting work done. So I know, I know, I know. Mm. Uh, speaking of getting work done right now, Houston's up by 15 over SMU. Cougars right now sit at 23-4 and four this season, 12-2 and two in American Conference play. UConn 66-46 over Georgetown. There's about 11 minutes and some change left in that ball game. And then one Ivy League affair has Harvard in front of Princeton 67-65. to 65. Guys in the NBA today, 76ers and Knicks 22-20. Philadelphia has a lead. James Harden has five points already. And according to several reports out there, Major League Baseball and the Players Association is supposed to be meeting again today. Uh, actually, it's supposed to be meeting right now, in fact, with uh, Rob Manfred trying to get things underway. Man, Major League Baseball lose another chunk of games like they did a few years ago when it was condensed to 60. Not a good look. No. This no. one's not uh, COVID related, too. So no, no. and, and the thing, the money. problem is, once you cancel one game, what's ten? Yeah, you cancel ten, what's twenty? Yeah, you know I mean, who this helps though? Is this helps Rich's San Diego Padres? They will not flame out so soon. Oh, no, no, look no, at no, you yeah, go. yeah. Oh, no, Sup, no. Rich? <laughs> Sup? Well, it's happening all, already. The season <laughs> hasn't even no. Come the, on, the, opening the, day. I'm telling you, Gascon, uh, David, he. He, if he if it was up to him, sixty game season would be a norm. That's right. In Major League Baseball. Right. Well, I listen. I that's something we should get into because I'll tell you, there was nothing more riveting and entertaining than a sixty game season in Major League Baseball. The yeah, but you and I were in San Diego, high. and the Padres were hot, so yeah. that made it more interesting. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, if they were sitting there, Rich, you know this as a as a chef. I mean, it's all about the process. It's all about, well, it's about okay. lathering up. It's about yeah. the foreplay, yeah. okay. marinating, okay. and then okay. sizzling. And- I, I disagree because all that is fun <laughs> and fine if you enjoy it. But for most of us, we just want to eat the food. Just yeah. show me the steak, baby. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, David, thank you very much. We'll check in with you a little bit later on. All right, well, we'll get, we'll get back to uh, baseball in a moment. But I want to I bring up something because I saw last night LeBron James backtracking. Mm. On comments he made in Cleveland, which of course was the host city of the All Star Game, I know what he said. I, I, he's trying to make it out that he didn't say what he said. Here's what he basically said in Cleveland: I envision myself finishing my career as a Cleveland Cavalier. Right. I would like to have my final season playing alongside my son Bronny. Uh, and then he, he prays on what Cleveland was doing, other general managers were doing while dismissing what the Lakers are doing. Right. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, he's come out with a completely different tune when he said, now he says, I never said I wanted to play for the Cavaliers. I just want to retire as a Cavalier. You know, one of those ceremonial, you sign a one-day contract, so you retire as a Cavalier. He goes, I never said I wanted to play with Cleveland. In fact, he goes, well, I, I want to play for the Lakers as long as I can play the game. Now, the only re- and then he prays on Palenka and Jeannie Buss and everyone in the Laker organization. They have been so great to me and my family and everything else. So what exactly is going on here? I have a theory that's pretty easy to figure out. 
So LeBron James only has one year remaining on his deal with the Lakers. Uh, he is signed through the next season. Sounds to me like uh, he and his uh, Rich Paul have already working out a deal like, hey, if you don't have us, what exactly do you have? Uh, Russell Westbrook is a walk away after next season. Anthony Davis can't stay on the court, so it would be suggestive to you. And by the way, the Lakers did this with Kobe Bryant. Remember, after he blew his Achilles, they extended his deal for three more years yep. at top dollar. Yep. Why? Because he still put butts in seats. So yep. my my figuring is whatever happened from his comments in Cleveland to what we saw yesterday is there's already a deal in the works. It may not be publicly known to extend his deal with the Lakers, almost an open-end deal to guarantee that, yes, he's not going anywhere. He's going to stay a Laker, regardless of whatever the record is. And by the way, he doesn't have to convince anybody he can still play. Look at his numbers this year, 29 points a game, eight rebounds, six and a half assists. He's still as great as ever. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess here. I'm not a genius here, Rich, but I'm going to guess something happened from his comments in Cleveland to get a deal done at least – you know, behind the scenes for him to extend his stay as a Los Angeles Laker. Well, why why do you ever do anything in life professionally that's uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. You know, short term. Um, typically, if it's if it's self imposed, yeah. If you're if you're the one who's creating the discomfort, it's not because you want to be at odds with management or your boss. It's not because you know you're trying to make it so that your next couple of weeks are going to be more fraught with having to answer tough questions or have awkward interfaces with people who typically you're friendly with. It's to get something done to make life better for you long term. You know, so everybody's had that moment. What I'm talking about specifically is the long walk to your boss's office to ask for a raise. And maybe there's a veiled threat there. Look, you know, I got to be honest with you, boss. Uh, been here for four years, anxious to move up in the organization. Mm-hmm. Here's my credentialing. Here's what I've done for the company. And uh, I've got friends in the in- industry and and options are opening up. Um, so I, I, I need, you know, X, Y, or Z. Otherwise I walk, you know, maybe it's not in as plain of English and maybe this negotiation carries out over two weeks. Maybe it carries out over a month. Maybe there's several meetings to follow and these aren't fun meetings, but if the ends justify the means, which is a, you move on to an organization that cares for you more or, or where you feel more valued or B you're being financially compensated better than you were on the other on the earlier side, the preceding side of this awkward negotiation. Either way, your long-term goals will be met. That's exactly what LeBron James is doing. Yeah, that's and exactly what he's doing. He's he's creating a small dust-up short-term so that somewhere in the distant future, right? And we're not talking about very distant. We're talking about a year. We're talking about two years down the road. He has created a soft landing place for himself, whether it be back with the Cavaliers or with a huge paycheck in L.A. And it will be a huge paycheck in L.A. I, you know, I was talking about potential trades. Hey, if he wants to go back to Cleveland, why not knock on the door on the Cavs? I mean, you got, you know, all these great young players like Garland and Allen and Mobley, yeah. all 23 or younger. You're the Lakers saying, hey, we'll give you LeBron right now. You're going to have to give us two of those kids uh, and maybe multiple number one picks. And Cleveland's like, why would we do that? We've moved on. Um, he's going to stay a Laker. He's going to stay a Laker as long as he wants to stay a Laker. And the Lakers really don't have any options. I mean, you, you're not going to jettison LeBron James 
for a bunch of no-names. You've been down that path. It doesn't work for you. You need stars, and you got one of the biggest stars still in LeBron James. He's going to stay a Laker. All right, again, as we mentioned, we're going to hopscotch, so stay with us because there's a lot of things going on. We got some NFL news to get to on the other side. What's next for Aaron Rodgers? Some big money is being talked about. We'll share it with you coming up next. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Rice or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Steve Harvin, Rich Hornberger. This is Fox Sports Sunday and really a chance for us to uh, cover a lot of different subjects on this Sunday. Uh, NFL is always a topic and the latest on Aaron Rodgers. March 16th, Rich, is the big day uh, that NFL free agency begins. And he had made it publicly known that whatever his intentions are moving forward, he would have some word before March 16th. But the reality is we already know right now. I mean, we really do. The fact is nothing has changed from a year ago. The Packers hold all the cards. He's under contract to the Green Bay Packers for the 2022 season. In fact, he's really under control of the Packers for as long as they want because even when the contract is up, they can, you know, franchise tag him. Of course, that would cost, I don't know, probably close to $60 million, but they can franchise tag him in, in the next two years beyond that. Um, they will decide the fate of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but in the meantime, it's not like they're going to sit idly by and just play it out. They're Bakhtiari's contracts being restructured. They're up right. against the cap. Right. They have a chance to franchise tag Devontae Adams. The Packers know we're close. We can't be any closer. We've been the one seed the last couple of years in the NFC. We've just fallen short. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers has played a part in that. It's not like he's being lights out in the postseason. But we have the league's MVP. We're going to do what it takes to finally get to the finish line. So, I, I, I mean, all this talk about Denver, and I like to throw out teams like Indianapolis. Imagine the Colts if they had Aaron Rodgers instead of Carson Wentz. Would that change the dynamic of that team? Or how about Tennessee? Would they be better with Aaron Rodgers than Ryan Tannehill? There's a lot of teams out there that could benefit from Aaron Rodgers. But the way I see it right now, unless he does decide to retire, 
I mean, that's the one option. I mean, he could say, I'm done enough. I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, but if he is going to play in 2022 in the NFL, it's going to be in a Packers uniform. Well, or if he does retire and something happens along the same lines as what's happened in Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers, Tom Brady storyline where look, Tom Brady, there's no question is interested in pursuing other endeavors outside of football. You know, this guy has made himself into a global icon. He's launched several brands. He has a production company. I mean, he's, he's a busy guy in the off seasons these days, but one thing that was very clear down the stretch of last season uh, is he still has it. He can make all the throws. There is no perceivable drop-off in his arm talent or his ability to make throws on time. Uh, from a mental acuity standpoint, he's at the top of his game. So he could come back and play elsewhere. What happens when you announce your retirement and you're okay with the idea of never playing football again is what you're going to have is a team like the Bucks in the case of Brady or the Packers in the case of Aaron Rodgers, who own your rights but can only shop you to certain teams. Where, for example, Tom Brady, say the only team he's interested in the Buccaneers potentially trading him to is the 49ers. Well, he can retire and live happy the rest of his life. Or if the Buccaneers can somehow work out a deal and Brady is interested in finishing his career with the 49ers, if that's the case, well, then he can be shipped off to the 49ers at any point, and he won't have to endure any of this, hey, you know, Brady is holding the Bucks hostage, and this is an awful situation for the Bucks because, you know, he's, he's, made, he's, he's making this about him and selfishness and blah, blah, blah. Tom Brady has been a forerunner in so many ways in the NFL, and now he's doing it again with his retirement, which may not actually be a retirement. And I think it's very possible that Aaron Rodgers tears a page out of that book. And unless everything is set in place that he wants to be set in place for a Packers return, he may announce his retirement, and then he may say to the Green Bay Packers, listen, I'm very happy being retired, but if you get a deal done with Team X, Y, or Z, call me. I might be interested. Uh, and the Packers have maintained, at least publicly, they're not interested in making a deal. Now, again. Well, every, unless unless he announces his retirement. That changes everything, Well, Steve. it does. But, again, if he – what if you're the Packers right now and, indeed, you feel like, all right, we got to trade this guy, that's not going to bode well for you in terms of getting equal in return. If teams know that you're in a situation where you have to trade the guy – then you're not going to have the same leverage. Uh, I don't know what the asking price will be right now for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's a back-to-back MVP, but he's also 38 years old. It's going to be high. It's going to be three first-rounders at a minimum, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, but where does that put you if you're the Green Bay Packers? Do you have a quarterback right now in place? I mean, this is, you know, we've been talking about the 49ers and all the uncertainty right now about Trey Lance moving forward, whether he's really ready to take over a team that came so close to the Super Bowl. Can he get him to the finish line right now? We don't know what's Jordan no, no, Love's no. situation. Well, and, and, and here's the deal. Like, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. What it does is it puts you either at the top of the NFC if Aaron Rodgers returns to your team, or if he retires or he asks for his trade – what it does is it puts you in a position where you have to rebuild. What other choice is there? Unless you truly believe in Jordan Love, unless you truly believe that he is going to be the future of your franchise. And you know what? 
I've heard things that suggest he isn't. I've heard, you know, obviously you 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 read the reports too. There there are a lot of people that are around this team that don't feel like he may necessarily be on Aaron Rodgers level ever or maybe the next Patrick Mahomes or maybe the next Josh Allen ever. But we don't know. The truth is we don't know. If if he goes out there and he balls out early this next season, Maybe you say to yourself, hey, man, geez, you know what? All of a sudden, things are just looking different. He's the guy. All of a sudden, he's playing like the guy. We got to reassess some stuff. But most likely, because that would be getting very lucky, most likely it's going to be a situation where if Aaron's with you, you're at the top of the NFC, you're taking another shot at winning a Super Bowl. And if not, you're going to be in complete rebuild mode. Yeah, a complete rebuild mode. I think the Packers understand. Look, if there was any decline in his skills, I wouldn't think the Packers would even hesitate for a second to make it clear he's out on the open market. But after another MVP season, by the way, uh, some interesting stuff uh, I'll share a little bit later on about, okay, he's putting up these MVP seasons, so why is it not translating into championships? There's some interesting insight of what is missing from Aaron Rodgers' game. We'll have a little bit later on. All right, coming up on the other side, there's a lot of NBA news post-All-Star game. Why are some of the top teams preseason not there at the end of the season? We'll tell you coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, yes, rolling along on this Sunday. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ormberger with you as uh, we wrap up this month of February, get ready for the March Madness, keeping our fingers crossed on the start of a Major League Baseball season. There's always NFL news going on, and there's the NBA. And last night, Rich, there was an interesting matchup between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Nets won this game. Yep. Uh, And Kyrie Irving was the reason. 38 points last night five assists, and he proclaimed after the game, don't count us out quite yet. Now, this is a Nets team that had a recent 11-game losing streak. They had come into this game having lost 13 of the last 15. They're a play-in team. But you think back to the preseason, and the overwhelming favorites to match up in the NBA Finals, according to the odds makers, were the Nets and the Lakers. You had a Nets team that was going to have Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie Irving going against the Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. And both these teams are on the outside looking in. They're in play-in games right now. They're not even in the top six of their conference to guarantee a playoff spot. But before we proclaim that we're getting ready for the Miami Heat versus the Phoenix Suns, the the current number one seeds in the East and West, Let's think about this, right? Yeah. I mean, the playoffs are a different beast. We know that than the regular season. You could have glossy regular season numbers. This can be in any sport. And all of a sudden, you show up for the postseason, and the guys that have been there, done that, suddenly show up again. The Nets, obviously, are sitting there waiting on Ben Simmons. He was sitting on the bench watching. We have no idea when Ben Simmons is going to play for the Nets after the deal because It's not physical with him. It's a mental situation. And no one's going to dismiss this. I mean, you know, Rich, uh, as a guy that played NFL football, the mental aspect is something that doesn't normally show up as far as, you know, on the outward, outside where you see injuries and everything else. 
So we don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons right now. He's just not ready to get out on the court. Yep. But if Ben Simmons does come back and can provide the game he has, which is the top defensive guard in this league, a guy that even though he has no outside shot, can score inside, assist, rebound, do a lot of things. You get him healthy. You get Kevin Durant healthy. And then Kyrie Irving's in a position where he can actually play in every game. It's the same as the Lakers. I mean, if you can get a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron James and a healthy Russell Westbrook, the idea of these teams being dismissed because the regular season hasn't gone right for them is a little premature. We got some basketball to play. And if these two teams can get it right and get their stars on the court, playing at the top level when the games matter, there's still a potential there. Well, look, I mean – you just spoke for three minutes to say the NBA regular season doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all you needed to say. I, I mean, I look, I, I get you want to put as much conjecture around this as you possibly can, this team, that team. The truth is, are you healthy come the postseason? A lot of teams weren't last year. That's the reason why we saw a Suns-Bucks final. I look. I there's. I, this is no shade against Giannis. This is no shade against the Suns. But if the rest of the NBA was healthy, do we really think that would have been the final? I don't. I don't at all. So what happens when you have stars who are hurt is obviously your ability to make a deep run into the postseason fades. And the Bucks and the Suns were really healthy. Their stars overall stayed really healthy, or as healthy as they possibly could have been. I mean, there were still injuries. The Suns missed Chris Paul at times, and the Bucks had their their injuries to their secondary stars. Giannis overall was pretty healthy, but even he got banged up. It was a war of attrition to reach the finals last year. But to your point, if you just had said, hey, Rich, The regular season in the NBA doesn't matter. Your thoughts, I would have said, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. This happens every single year. We get all hot and bothered about the storylines. We get all hot and bothered about the trades. We get the truth is, do you have stars? If the answer is yes, okay, you could advance to the next square. Are your stars healthy? Okay, you said yes. Okay, you can advance to the next square. Uh, are your stars who are healthy playing well in the postseason? Okay. Well, then chances are you're going to get to a conference final or potentially an NBA final. That's how this game works. That's the reason why this is the most predictable sport in all of sports because you have seven-game series and there are super teams. Unless you're unhealthy, you're most likely going to make a run. It's just a matter of making it to those to those, those that, that large bracket of playoff teams, and then usually talent wins. So let me, let me get back to this Ben Simmons situation with you. <clears throat> yeah. Because uh, I know that Shaq said some things about Ben Simmons, and apparently Ben Simmons reached out to him, and Shaq changed his tune. Hmm. So I'm not exactly sure what went on in that conversation, but obviously, whatever Simmons translated to Shaq resonated with him hmm. uh, in terms of mental health. And it's a, it's a difficult thing. We've seen this in tennis. We've seen this in gymnastics, some of our biggest stars, uh, where they claim that they're suffering from a uh, mental anguish, whatever it might be. And a lot of people look at that like, like you're Ben Simmons. You're, you're making tens of millions of dollars. You're physically healthy, and what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, 
And you know, this this is this is one of those things again where you want to be sensitive to it, but you don't really understand it. That's right. Um, and and this is something uh, I was talking to again, Jeff Schwartz yesterday. And he admitted that he went through this as an NFL player where he would seek out mental health help um, at various times. Um, is is this something prevalent? Um, because, again, I've, I've always been amazed at athletes that have the spotlight on them, that are expected to perform at the highest level, all eyeballs on them, and how they deal with that kind of pressure. And I would imagine for a lot of these athletes – in order to navigate this, no matter how much money is in your bank account, sometimes you do seek outside help to help you navigate it. Well, you know what? You know, I'll just ask you a question because this will be an easier way for everybody to relate to this. Steve, you never played sports, really. Yep. You know, you nope. never played college sports professionally. Do you know someone in your life and, and outside of sports mm -hmm. who struggles with their mental health? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, of course. I'm sure you know maybe a couple. Like if you are you really yeah. sat down and thought about it, you could probably name a few. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. They may be successful, maybe not. Maybe they have a great family and they don't have a lot that you could really look at from the outside and say, "Geez, you know, what what what's what's dragging them down?" It it's 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 nothing externally. It's something internally. And you know, <sighs> I, I don't understand why that's so shocking. Like when a player comes forward and says, you know, I'm really hampered by my anxiety or my depression because all sports are is a microcosm of the rest of humanity. I mean, you're talking about a collection in the case of the NBA. How many teams are there? 30. How many players on each team? About 15. I'm not great at math, but what's that? Like 450 players. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? Something like that. So you're talking about, a collection of close to 500 people, uh, of course, there's going to be someone who really struggles with mental health issues. Of course, because if there's a collection of 450 people that you've randomly smashed together, even if they have similar skill sets, maybe in a company, a company of 450 million or 450 million people who you know have similar skill sets who are all guided towards the same goals of course somebody in that group is going to struggle with their mental health i mean in the nfl there is one player who is um gay and who is out out, out of the closet it's carl nassib with the uh with the raiders with the las vegas raiders are we really under some sort of delusion that he's the only gay player in the nfl no, he's the only one who's come out of the closet. But again, the NFL, the NBA, the Major League Baseball, uh, NHL, whatever sports league you're looking at, Major League Soccer, it's all a microcosm of humanity. So if you have a certain percentage of people who have mental health issues, I promise you that's reflected in the group of people in sports. If you have a certain percentage of people who are uh, homosexual, I, I promise you that's going to translate percentage-wise into whatever sports league you're interested in. It's just how life works. So, yeah, Ben Simmons, now he's outward about it. He's spoken about it publicly. A lot of headlines have been made about Ben Simmons. But I promise you, for every Ben Simmons, there's 10, 20, 30, maybe, maybe more players who are struggling silently. And maybe he's doing some good for those guys. I, I want to, on the other side, talk about the power of money and versus legacy, okay? And there, we got some examples of this uh, in the NFL, even in the golf world. What 
price tag do you put on legacy? I mean, how much money would it take? We always say everyone has their price, but at what cost? We'll tell you how the dynamics of insane money can change the course of some of the biggest names in sports. Coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Steve Harbin, Rich Armberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Being old enough to remember when money was not always the driving force in sports. Um, superstar players got paid some money. The rest didn't. There were athletes in those days that actually had off-season jobs. Uh, that was the norm. They didn't make enough money to last them the entire year. That's a long time ago. The amount of money that is being poured into the sports world, A, illustrates, Rich, how valuable sports is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think we ever dreamt it was going to be this valuable. It, it, honestly, when I was a kid growing up, being a sports fanatic – it was a niche thing. It wasn't mainstream. Uh, you know, the NFL wasn't any great shakes. I mean, for some of us kids that collected cards and everything else, we knew a lot of things that most people just really didn't care about. Those days are long gone. Golf. Golf. Think about golf for a second here. Because we've been we've been talking about Tiger Woods and how he's one of the guys that certainly controls the, the game of golf and certainly did for two decades. If he's there, they watch. If he's not, it doesn't matter. But everything has changed now with the leaked-out story about this super golf league that's being backed by Saudi Arabia, investors in Saudi Arabia, who apparently are willing to spend up to $2 billion to draw top players. So let me give you a scenario right now. Sure. And I'm just going to give you a name. Let's say you're Brooks Kepka, and you are offered $50 million to join this league. That's $50 million to play 16 tournaments, regardless of what happens. That's that's what you're making, $50 million. Here's the trade-off. You're expelled from the PGA Tour for life. You may be expelled from ever playing in a major golf tournament. Remember, the Masters, the U.S. Open, the Open Championship of the PGA are not tied to the PGA Tour. They're separate entities. But... To qualify for those tournaments, you have to be on the PGA Tour or have certain, you know, totals in, or the RNA or, or these other European leagues. So if I were to tell you, I'm going to give you $50 million. I'm going to transfer that into your bank account, but you can never play in the PGA Tour again. You can never play in a major golf championship again. Do you take that deal? 
Well, look, I mean, me personally, I, I, I don't think so. But again, what I personally choose to do uh, reflects maybe my interest in traveling, maybe my moral code. You know, I mean, this is a choice for this is a choice for all these golfers to make because, and I have no idea what they're being offered to play in this new Saudi Arabian league. But I mean, as we know, there are ideological differences there than there are here in the United States and and in most of Western Europe. And, and so those ideological differences could be the reason why golfers say no. You know, it doesn't matter what you offer me. I'm going to play on the PGA Tour. I'm going to play, you know, on the European Tour, uh, maybe the One Asia Tour. There's plenty of the, the Australian PGA. I mean, there's plenty of other tours you can play on and make a lot of money and, you know, and, and make great deals with endorsers and avoid potentially risking your reputation uh, if that's at play or risking your ideological beliefs to go play for a tremendous amount of money. It's, I mean, it, obviously we talk plenty about the NBA and their ties to China and the uncomfortable nature of that as millions and millions, billions of dollars literally being poured into the league uh, where obviously we are not on the same page in China uh, in, in many respects. I, I, it just, it gets back to this whole money draw. Well, what would you do, right? You know, so same things like, you have all this money being offered to you, but you would exempt yourself from playing in these other like, like same question. What would your answer be personally if you were Brooks Kepka in that same exact situation? Well, I, I guess I would speak for most people. Like if you're playing on the PGA Tour and you're established on the PGA Tour, I'm going to give you an example. I just saw was it a Charles Hal the Third. Who's been a journeyman player for years and years and years? He just passed fifty million dollars in career earnings on the PGR Tour. Career, not a single year. This is what we're talking about with this this Super Golf League. But over the course of his career, he has earned fifty million dollars without ever winning a major championship, ever really in contention for a major championship. He's been a steady Eddie on the PGA Tour for many years, and I think for the average person out there, you're like, well, if I had five million dollars in my bank account do i really need 10 or if i have 10 do i need 20 like what's the motivation like once you get to a certain point i think a lot of people that are just average people which is the overwhelming majority of us can't understand why it is that someone that's got a billion dollars in their bank account needs five billion or five billion means 10 billion and then and that i guess that's the hard thing to translate you're saying why would you throw away the op- the opportunity to play in major golf championships or play on the PGA Tour and make a, a great living playing golf, no less, just for a huge payday. I mean, it's, is it about the money? Is it about legacy? Because we want to believe our athletes. Now, I say this from a fan stamp, standpoint. We want to believe the athletes are into winning. You know, winning. Like, winning's a big thing to you. Because as a fan, that's why I support you. I want you to win, and I support the team you're on or you as an individual and individual sport. I want to believe that it's all about winning rather than the dollar. I'll ignore the dollars as long as you're winning. But if you cross that line and say, look, because the counter is this. The golfers say, look, if somebody threw $50 million to you, you wouldn't take the money? Come on now. 
And and this is sort of that back and forth relationship between the average fan and these high-priced athletes. Well, look, I mean, we're not talking about ideologies here, but we we also sometimes lionize people for like a, a very obvious pursuit of making a lot of money in a sport. And, you know, there's no better example, actually, than any of the the – the hyper-violent sports like boxing, for example, or the UFC, mixed martial arts in general, I think we give those guys more of a pass than other athletes, and I'll tell you why. First of all, it's individualized, right? So it's just one guy in a cage or in a boxing ring across from another guy in a cage or a boxing ring. And what happens is that person, you know, or I, sh- I shouldn't say guy because girls box, uh, women box, and, and women fight in mixed martial arts. That person stands across from somebody and basically risks their life for that money that they're chasing. Floyd Mayweather, perfect example on the boxing side. Conor McGregor, perfect example on the MMA side. Both of them heralded for their accomplishments as both athletes and celebrities, right? You know, occasionally they run astray and people will start condemning them for some of their actions. Conor McGregor threw something at a a van once, broke a bunch of windows. He was arrested for some of that violence. Floyd Mayweather has had run-ins that people find, you know, dissatisfying. But overall, like their pursuit of money because they're risking so much is is a reason why they get a pass. In team sports, we don't give that pass as much because so many other people, you know, you're relying on so many other people for your success. In golf, even though it's an individual sport, there's not a lot of risk in golf. You know, you're not you're not staking your life on swinging the club. You know, so I, I think there are certain sports where you could get away with more of this than others, and golf just isn't one of them, you know? So if you're going to get in a situation where you're really, like, trading in morality or an opportunity to play on the PGA tour where you're going to be more visible to the largest, you know, swath of your fans uh, for more, for more money, you know, that that's what you're going to do it for. It's not going to resonate well for you. All right. On the other side, I do want to get into how a money situation has infiltrated the ranks of the NFL and raise the bar and the price tags of coaches, general managers, that are suddenly in demand big time to be in the announcing booth. Which way do you go there? At least one coach apparently has made his decision at what cost to his current team. We'll get to that. But right now, let's find out what is trending as we welcome back Mr. David Gascon. Uh, What would you do, David? I mean, if you were one of these golfers, let's say Bryson DeChambeau, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't, you know, he's still on the cusp. He won a U.S. Open. Still a young player. He's denying reports that he was offered, get this, $135 million to join this Super Golf League. Um, if you were to just trade it off, take the money, but never play the PGA Tour again, never play in another major golf championship, it's $135 million. I mean, wow. Uh, legacy versus just bank. But what is legacy? It's artificial, right? It's an it artificial description of what people think of you. Thank you. Does it that is. matter, though? I, like, at the end of the day... To some people, it does matter. Right. For many, it doesn't. Right. I don't care what people think about me or anything else. I'm going to do what's best for me, my family, my future. Like, right? And the saying goes, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of you. Like mm-hmm. That's their opinion. You can't control that one way or another. So, as far as the 
the money goes, it's a hell of a lot of money to walk away from, you know? Yeah. Here's the other thing I think about, though, you know, and, and just in terms of legacy and what it means to you personally, like, you know, you mentioned Charles Howell. You yeah. know, we're thinking about other guys who have a limited number of major wins. And, I mean, if you grew up playing golf, especially in this country, you know, those three majors that are played on American soil and the one played in European soil, like like that's that's what golf feels like it's all about is those four opportunities to, to hoist those trophies. And you don't get to do that anymore. Like the majors is what I think – I mean, it would be a large part of my consideration if I were making a decision like that. But if you've done that and been there, then what's next for you? Yeah, I don't know. Still, though. It's not easy to be. I'm not not saying he's a trailblazer, but if he went off that that path, I mean, what's the downside of it that you can't – because you could always play at those courses. That's not – you just – you can't play play competitively with the tour, right? Yeah. So – I guess it would be a little bit different if we're talking about Major League Baseball or the NBA or the, or the National Football League or even the NHL. Right. But that's not it. And you know, I mean, for these guys, that's a lot of money, man. And I think... Well, and the other thing about golf, unlike other sports, is we're talking guaranteed money in a sport that doesn't guarantee money. Yeah, that I mean, you get too. you get sponsor money, obviously, and, and, and endorsement money, but as far as money you make on the tour, you got to earn that. And, uh, you don't make the cut, man. You get zero. And this is this is not lifetime wealth. This is generational wealth. Yes. And so you get to take that wherever you go. What if he has other career ambitions outside of golf? Mm-hmm. You know, you can walk away after your your contract is done, and then sayonara, you're on to the next venture. But can then I, I, I you wanna... get back to that 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 question you posed, which is a great one: is how expensive? Like, what is the price tag that you put on your legacy and your reputation? And that's that's the other side of it. Is you, you're 100 percent right, and your family would be set up for years and years and ages and ages. But what is going to be the reverberations on future generations as a result of that wealth? Also, it's just it, it's just so much co- to consider considering. What's at stake? Yeah, I mean, but don't forget, though, when these guys were kids, they played for the love of the game itself, right? right. And now they become adults, and then their their talent is now monetized. But if you've been there, if you've done that, then you're looking for the next itch to scratch. Yeah. And yeah. you got to satisfy that. And I think that's – I mean, you guys will get into it with the broadcasters here in a second, but I think it's huge. I just think it's a way to – I mean, I've, I heard and read certain things about with – with Phil Mickelson and how these guys are able and they can't monetize their likeness. Like if if one of these guys had an eagle uh, on the PGA Tour and it was during the Masters, these guys wouldn't even be able to take a 30-second clip from Twitter and put it on their own platform. They'd have to pay, like it was like forty or $50,000 to the tour to use their likeness, which is just themselves knocking something out of the park uh, on a course. Hmm. So uh, you know, the, the way that the PGA controls everything, I, you know, I mean, sooner or later these guys are going to want to get outside that, that beaten path. By the way, I, I want to correct myself just briefly here. I mentioned uh, the $50 million mark for Charles Howe the third. Actually, it was the $40 million mark. Do you know that he is the 22nd all-time leader in money made on the PGA Tour. He's had a Ricky Fowler. Wow. He's ahead of Kepka. And this guy has been a journeyman. Another guy, Rory Sabatini, 
has made over $35 million without winning anything of note, just grinding year after year. And that's some pretty good money. But yeah, I mean, So here's the question that I have for you guys. Yeah. If they went that route, do you think they'd be blackballed by the PGA? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you join that tour? I mean, there's already been talk that the PGA Tour has made it clear. If you join that Super League, you're done. And there's been rumors that 17 players have already signed up. We don't know which players. We don't know which players. Again, DeShambo denied a huge offer. But uh, we do know these Saudi uh, investors are willing to spend up to $2 billion to get the absolute best players they can away from the PGA Tour. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a need and a demand for golf to expand, not shrink? Well, so all, you cut all these sports, guys off. I mean, if you think of it this way, all sports, yeah. you know, is predicated around the idea of expansion. Major League Soccer, how many times have they added uh, teams inside of the United Fair, States? Fair, but look what Major League Baseball is doing. Like, they're cutting, they're gutting the minor league system. Yep. So if these guys are gutted and they can't play here in the United States, guess where they're going? They're going to Japan. They're going to Korea. Like the expansion of the game is one thing, but you move these guys to the Asian market and you want to bring them back. Guess what you're doing? Not only are you paying for their contract, but you're just paying for their their rights to negotiate said contract. Like you're just torpedoing yourself and the product by allowing these guys to go somewhere else, not bringing them back. With golf, I mean, you blackball these guys. That does nothing for your reputation. Mm-hmm. What's insane about all this is we are just in such a a world of flux in all sports. You look at college football, it, it has never felt more unstable from a standpoint of what the future is going to look like. You know, college sports in general with the transfer portal, you know, and, and name, image, and likeness. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, NFL is moving back to Europe next, you know, expanding in Europe. Mexico City coming out of the pandemic. We're going to see more international games. Mm. I mean, all these sports leagues, it feels like we're just – we're just in in such a time of massive change. I have no idea what golf is going to look like. I don't know what sports overall in this country is going to look like in a couple more years because everything's in such flux right now. Guys, speaking of that, how about this? Uh, FIFA has not said what they're going to do moving forward just yet in terms of expelling Russia, but they're going to allow them to compete as the RFU, what's their, mm-hmm. which is their acronym for the you know, Russian Federal Federation Union. Um, there's still options on the table to potentially ban them from the upcoming World Cup. Poland has already said that they're not going to play them. And if they did play, the winner of that contest would either play Sweden or the Czech Republic. Both of those nations said they would not play Russia either, obviously with the ongoing saga in Ukraine, the invasion and whatnot. So this is obviously going to have impact internationally, but uh, FIFA trying to take some kind of a stance. Maybe they'll have a hardline stance against Russia. We'll find out. Uh, back here stateside, 14th ranked Houston all over SMU, 73-54. to UConn won earlier today. Princeton by a point over Harvard. Uh, right now, 15th-ranked Illinois is in a dogfight with Michigan, 25-20. Illinois has the advantage. There's about nine minutes to play uh, in the game's opening half. NBA news today, 76ers up by seven at New York against the Knicks. James Harden, 17 points, 11 assists, and also five rebounds. Oh, what would you guys do? Would you guys take that money and run? Well, again, I, I think, I don't I think, think so. we're all I, – I, Okay, I if, you, think... if, you, if you want a major – whether it was here in the United States or it was the British Open, the Open Championship, yeah. What then would you do it? <laughs> well, let me ask you this: because if, if you look at soccer, for example, the guys that have competed internationally, uh, you know, you look at all those leagues, the European leagues that they competed in; those are like the top tier, right? And then they come here to the United States, and then they play in the MLS. 
Yeah, they get a huge paycheck, like um, Ibrahim. What is it? Ibrahimovic. David Beckham, obviously, was the first. I mean, you have examples of that. No, I get where you're saying. Yeah, but he was on the backside of his career. That's what what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he had already. Yeah, I mean, I bet you, David. To your point, when when we get the names that Steve mentioned of people who, I bet it's going to be things like that. Guys who feel like they checked about as much. As as many of the boxes on their list of things to check. Well, what Phil if, Mickelson what, what was the obvious wait, one because what, what, he's already in the Hall of Fame. He's once he just won his sixth major at age fifty. Yeah. I mean, Phil's an obvious guy, right? But I what mean, if what if Tiger Woods said, "I'll do it"? Well, that's Tiger Woods is physically. Can he get back to what he did a few years ago? I, if I were Tiger Woods, my attitude to them is, "You can't offer me enough money." Hmm. I yeah. already have a billion dollars. So I, 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 what are you? What are you offering me? Yeah, that's a good point. You're offering me what? Operational control in some capacity. I mean, Tiger's at a whole different level. But a guy like Phil? Oh, no, no. Phil, who, by the way, is second to Tiger all time. He's made $94 million just on the PGA Tour. Uh, His legacy set. He's in the Hall of Fame. But he wants more money. He's already worth, I don't know, upwards of $700, $800 million. I don't know. I mean, again, everyone has their personal choice. I understand where you're coming from, Rich. David, uh, I'm with you guys. I mean, to me, how much? How much? How much money do you need? I, I, I don't know. All right, uh, thank you, David. We'll check in with you a little bit later on. Speaking of money, we knew that when the NFL signed on with Amazon, uh, money was going to change, uh, and apparently, money is changing in the announcing booth. Uh, so, if you don't know this, Amazon Prime now controls Thursday Night Football. If you don't have Amazon Prime, you will not see Thursday Night Football. doesn't cost a lot, but you're you're going to have to get Amazon Prime if you want to see Thursday Night Football. Originally, by the way, this was not supposed to kick in until 2023, but with the money Amazon's throwing out there, they decided, what, why wait? Let's, let's start in 2022. So, imagine this. You're Al Michaels, right? 77 years old. One of the all-time legends of broadcasting, and NBC has sort of discreetly shoved you out the door, right? Mike Tirico will take over on Sunday Night Football, and he's like, I still want to work. Hmm. Imagine having options where he could end up making more money than he ever dreamt at NBC or any place else, because now all of a sudden, he's got two options. He's got Amazon for Thursday Night Football, and suddenly ESPN Sunday night, Monday night football is in play. Can you imagine that? 77-year-old Al Michaels is in demand. I'm sure his agent's like, this is unbelievable. Back and forth we go. But, it, you know, Sean McVay reportedly was being courted uh, by Amazon. Uh, and the numbers we're hearing because, I mean, we don't know the Aikman deal for sure, but the New York Post is now reporting it was a $90 million deal for Troy Aikman to jump from Fox yep. over to the uh, Monday Night Football broadcast booth. Uh, and maybe he's trying to get uh, Joe Buck to join him there, but he's still under contract for Fox. But Sean McVay now all of a sudden has come clean that, oh, no, 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 I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying with the Rams. Now, I've always been curious about this, Rich. In what other business do we know what everybody makes outside of sports, right? These athletes, we know what they make, the terms of their contracts and everything else, but we never publicly have any statements about NFL contracts. I don't know what the Rams have offered Sean McVay to make sure that he doesn't go anywhere, but I'm going to guess it's a lot of money. 
Oh yeah, a yeah. whole Look, lot of money. We we do we do get inklings of that because these agents want everybody to know what they negotiate for their coaches because it's good for their business. So if you're if you're looking to figure out how much Bill Belichick makes in annual salary, you're a Google search away from that. You know, same with any of these coaches. Yeah, but those are speculations. In fact, yeah. like Belichick, they say, okay. well, he might be making ten million, eleven million. There are reports out there that his deal's worth closer to twenty million a year. Well, yeah, I, and I guess I guess the closer you get to the the source, like the closer you get to right. his agent, his negotiations, then the. But my point is, if you want to know that information, it's probably available. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, you're probably two or three phone calls away from figuring that out if you need that information. The point I guess I'm trying to make is that yeah, celebrities is what we're talking about. Like generally. For whatever reason, for good or for bad, we know what actors make when they make a huge box office hit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we know what sports figures make. You know, there, there's there, sometimes musicians, you know, you can sort of extrapolate based on record sales and what deal they signed with a label. You can you can get to what their net worth will be or what they made off of one hit song. You know, there's there's equations for all of that. The reason is because people are interested in it. The why is because they're celebrated people. And for whatever reason, along with the fame and along with the, you know, whether they're very attractive people or whether they're very talented people, we're also interested in knowing how much they make because there there is something um, engaging or interesting about somebody being overwhelmingly wealthy mm-hmm. like that's the reason why the kardashians took off the way they did you know what i mean because you're getting to see you know in whatever i mean whether you believe it or not it, it is obviously a scripted reality show yep. but you're getting to see how the other side lives right the real housewives of beverly hills or orange county or whatever you're getting to see how the other side lives and so that is the allure there as well Look, I mean, fair or not, it is what it is. And then, you know, to comment on what you were talking about, Sean McVay, right? This broadcasting deal, Troy Troy Aikman. You're talking about the difference of what? I don't know, 30 30 years in age? Mm Mm-hmm. But that's what we're seeing in sports in general. You're seeing a Tom Brady go out there and have immense success, and you're seeing a Patrick Mahomes, you know, guys who are separated by 20 years playing the same same sport. You know, you have the Al Michaels of the world, but you have much younger play-by-play. There's room for both. It's an interesting time because age is starting to disappear as a barometer of whether or not you should sign up for a big deal with somebody who's well-known. All right, on the other side, uh, let's talk about getting high. Can we can we, uh, can we talk about getting high? Because now the NCAA says, no problem. Get as high as you want. We're okay with it. Is that good for sports? We're going to tell you coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Steve Harvin, Rich Arnberger. All right, quickly, I wanted to uh, mention something. It sort of flew under the radar, Rich. Uh, the NCAA has relaxed its marijuana testing threshold. Lighter penalties for positive tests. Uh, to give you an idea, the threshold levels of THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, will go from 35 nanograms per milliliter to 150 nanograms per milliliter. Whatever that means. Right. Uh, in other words, you're able to smoke more and the penalties are far less. Yeah. Now, we know there's a legalization of marijuana in many states now. Most states uh, have legalized it. Not all, but many. And the NCA says it's time to reevaluate uh, how we deal with those that test positive for marijuana. So you can smoke more. And even if you are in violation, the penalties are a lot less. Is this good for college sports? Well, I, I mean, is it good for college sports? It's going to lead to less suspensions, which is going to lead to, you know, more players being available to play and not have to. Uh, spend time on the sideline being punished for use of marijuana you know so I essentially if you're you're just asking from a very you know a plain standpoint is this better for sports the answer is yeah right because if you want to have the best players on the field um, as often as possible well making the the testing process uh, less, uh, less hard, or I should say, the punishments less harsh, and the testing process more permissive. It's going to lead to more players being available to play. So yeah, I, I guess, I guess from that standpoint, it's better for the sport. But here's the the better question, I think, Steve, is why? Why is this happening? You know, I every time I see a report like this, my first thought is, okay, so why is the NCAA doing this? And that answer to me is very simple. Right before the pandemic, or and even during it, the early portion of the pandemic, players at the college level, for the first time in the history of college sports, were really starting to unionize. We were seeing coalitions of players coming out of the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the Mountain West, who were speaking out against their conferences. And now, as we know, because there is a revolving student body that plays these college sports. Many of those players who are involved in these co coalitions have moved on to professional sports or their professions outside of sports. But that's the reason why they, they are relaxing uh, and being less scrutinizing on marijuana use because that's something that the players would have collectively tried to bargain for if they unionized. So what you're seeing with name, image, and likeness, what you're seeing with a less restrictive transfer portal, what you're seeing with more permissive drug use measures in the NCAA is trying to stave off the unionization of college athletes by appeasing them, by giving them what they want. Yeah, it's, it's what's happening. The one thing they did say, I, I almost laughed at this. They said, well, we have determined that smoking marijuana, it's not a performance-enhancing drug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. That's that's your conclusion after all this testing. Look, they're falling suit with the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL. All right, on the other side, we got an update on Major League Baseball coming up next.
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday out there. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ornberger from the Fox Sports Radio studios. As we speak right now, meetings continue between Major League Baseball and the Players Association in hopes of hammering out a collective bargaining agreement by tomorrow. Otherwise, we will have games canceled for the first time since 1995. Rich, I want to read a quote to you from current commissioner Rob Manfred. Please do. And this was two weeks ago. Actually, two and a half weeks ago he said this uh, as they were getting ready to uh, resume meetings. But two and a half weeks ago, the commissioner said this, quote, In the history of baseball, the only person who has made a labor agreement without a dispute, and I did four of them, was me. (laughs) Somehow during those four negotiations, players and union representatives figured out a way to trust me enough to make a deal. I'm the same person today as I was in 1998. And again, the the question that so many of us have is how did Rob Manfred become a commissioner? Because he is a PR nightmare. He doesn't understand the PR aspect the way a Roger Goodell does or Adam Silver does in handling difficult situations and translating it to the fans. Almost everything that comes out of this guy's mouth makes matters worse, uh, the perception of Major League Baseball. But the reason he's there, and when he says the only person that's ever made a labor agreement without a dispute is me. Somehow, during those four negotiations, players and union reps figured out a way to trust me enough. Well, the owners trusted him because he made owner-friendly deals, unlike his predecessors that were not able to crack the union. So this was two and a half weeks ago. He also said at the time that if we have any games canceled, that would be a disastrous outcome. So here we are, yep. one day away, and we still have no resolve. And according to all reports, we're not even close. So yep. is this Rob Manford overplaying his hand, thinking that he was invincible, apparently? Like, I'm the only guy that's ever been able to pull this off. Do you feel like a, a, a more of a, a resolve amongst the players, a stronger union right now that is not going to cave in Because if we have these lines drawn and neither side is willing, because the other thing that Manfred, one other quote, he said this, he goes, you're always one breakthrough away from making an agreement. That's the art of the process. Someone makes a move and that's why we're going to make additional moves. And again, this was two and a half weeks ago, whatever additional moves he thought was going to make some kind of deal happen, obviously didn't happen then. It's not happening right now. Yep. But I mean, it's obvious this guy is not going to give in well, at I, all. So I, where does this put the players and, I, and a resolve here? I think this about Rob Manfred. I think that from a public standpoint, he's not well-liked, but that doesn't matter because it doesn't matter what the public thinks about your commissioner as long as he's doing his job, which is, again, we talked about this earlier, taking the slings and arrows from fan bases who will normally aim their concerns and their issues at owners and instead are targeting a commissioner. Well, what is a commissioner's job? Commissioner's job is to be the voice piece 
of the ownership. So if you're mad at Rob Manfred, you're misplacing your anger because Rob Manfred is a paid uh, employee of the ownership of Major League Baseball. So if you're a Yankees fan or if you're a Brewers fan or if you're a Rays fan or if you're a Mariners fan, direct your blame right upstairs at the person who owns the team that you root for, not at Rob Manfred. He is just doing the owner's bidding. He's washing their dirty laundry in public. He is the mouthpiece for the ownership. So why does he still have a job even though he's not great with public relations and he takes so much flack for all the decision-making? It's because he's doing what the owners want him to do. And he's making them boatloads of money while he's doing it. So it doesn't really matter what you say or what I say or what fans say about Rob Manfred. As long as he keeps profits high and he keeps the flack away from ownership and he keeps it directed onto him, he's doing his job. It's Operation Human Shield and Rob Manfred is taking all the shots. He's doing this perfectly. So he looks like the evil villain. Not the owners, who, by the way, are the ones locking out the players right now, who are the ones who initiated this labor action right now. I mean, Rob Manfred is just doing their bidding. He's sitting down at the table, and he comes to them, and he says, here's the proposal, as the owners have asked me to to hammer out the details with the legal counsel. And then the players go, well, we're not agreeing to that. And so what does Rob do? He goes back to a committee, which, by the way, owners serve on and he asked them well hey listen the players aren't going to bite on this do we want to make any changes to this do we want to amend anything here's what they asked us for and then he does what they tell him to do so again you know it's like a red herring it's like you know when you're reading a detective novel and you think you figured it out like you know they're painting one character in the book as the villain as the person who eventually the evidence is going to prove to be guilty and it turns out oh no that all of the guilt was misplaced it turned out to be this unlikely source this is a likely source it's the owners the 30 of them who are locking out the players it has nothing to do with rob manfred I'll be curious to see where it goes from the player standpoint. Let's go back to the most recent NFL CBA, which, by the way, was voted 1,019 yes votes to 959 no votes. Yeah. I mean, that can't be closer to 50-50, can it? That's not exactly an overwhelming majority of NFL players saying they like the CBA. The NFL was very smart. What they did was they targeted – the lower echelon players. Yeah, you're talking about the NFL owners. The were NFL very smart. Own, yeah, yeah, very yeah, yeah. smart. Because yep. what they did was they made an appeal to those at the bottom of the barrel in, in, in terms of NFL players, those making the least amount of money, those that are facing the shortest life expectancy as an NFL player. Uh, players are just going to take as much as they can as long as they can get it, that type of thing. And, and, and they were able to get this thing passed. I'm sure there's a lot of things is you as a former player, you still have friends in this league that are saying, what did we agree to here? Oh yeah. Uh, how did this happen? I, I, what, what, what the, the owners got what they wanted. They expanded the, the, the season from 16 to 17. There was an expansion of the playoffs. What, what, the, the owners got everything they wanted to parlay that into bigger TV deals to put more money in their pockets. So right now with major league baseball, you don't need a whole lot. 
Now, for instance, minimum salary in baseball. I think this is a lot of people just didn't even understand this. So minimum salary in Major League Baseball last year was $570,000. Man, that sounds like a lot, right? Except NHL rookies make $750,000. And they have comparable rosters to Major League Baseball. Hockey? How's, how do hockey rookies make that much more money than baseball uh, rookies? So your Major League Baseball, one of the things they've immediately said is, yeah, yeah, we'll up that uh, rookie, uh, you know, minimum wage uh, sure. Six hundred. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get you to seven hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Now all of a sudden you got a lot of those guys just trying to break in the major league, saying, "Oh man, oh yeah, where do I sign up?" And they got the big money. No, 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 don't don't be fooled by this. No, 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 no. They're trying to suck you into the deal. This is well, not this gonna is be what you do. This yeah. is this and is... you know major league baseball is going to take a similar tack yeah. that worked for the NFL owners. This is what you do if you are trying to conquer you know, uh, an opposing force, right? Whether it be negotiations, whether it be war, you know, I mean, you read about this, uh, you know, since back to the the golden ages of Rome, you know, the empire that spanned, you know, uh, countries, uh, continents, everywhere. It was, it was the, the largest empire at the time. You, you divide, you divide a force and you conquer them from within because you create, infighting you create a situation where if you could get like you were just discussing a lower salary player who is going like hey listen i'm all for some of the things that you guys are asking for because my sincere hope you know come year 10 i'm in the the situation that you guys are in but right now i'm in year two and i'm struggling to keep myself on an active roster in major league baseball and oh by the way uh, you know, Major League Baseball, the owners are hacking away more of my opportunities at the minor leagues. So I'm just trying to survive and make as much uh, money as I possibly can while I'm here. Meanwhile, you have, you know, situations at the very tippy top of uh, of the, the player salary structure who are talking about we can't have, you know, a salary cap. We can't have these things. You know, for the majority of baseball players, the salary cap is really not going to affect them as much. But what, what will affect them is their minimum salary, that basement that they could potentially make. And so you're absolutely right, Steve. This is a ploy that has been used since ancient times in warfare. If you can get players on their side of this negotiation, starting to argue with each other yeah. instead of coming together as a union. I mean, to self-described word, it, you know, something that is with unity going to fight against an opposing force. Well, then the the power that you have starts to crumble from within, and that's what the owners are always aiming to do. They're always trying to find a way to plant a seed that that turns into a poisonous idea that corrupts the union and makes them weaker from within. I don't know if that has happened yet, but you know that is going to be the goal of ownership here. Sportsmanship. It was on the table a week ago while we were doing this show when a fight, a shoving, pushing, slapping incident happened between Michigan and Wisconsin in a college basketball game how far do we have to go for sportsmanship? Should it even be necessary to shake hands at the end of a game? We've got one head coach's thoughts on it. We'll give you our thoughts coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Fox Sports Sunday, Hartman and Orenberger. I was just talking to uh, the real Don Brown and Ryan over there. Talking about relationships. Have you seen this Netflix show, Rich, uh, Love is Blind? Oh, have I? Oh, no. I'm the one who turned you on to it. You did, and I'm, old, I'm the only one that actually got through the first nine episodes of season two. I never saw season one. Uh, I guess the final episode see, uh, uh, 10 just came out on Friday. I haven't seen it. I will oh, is watch that it. true? Yeah. Uh, you, we were just talking about relationships and that whole dynamic and everything else. I mean, I... I <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I mean, this is way off the track, but we need <laughs> yeah. we need a little comic relief at the very least right now. So, um, the idea of of uh, uh, holding a conversation with a female sight unseen and making some kind of connection, right? Can that erase or overcome any when you get that face to face if you don't have some level of physical attraction? Can you get past that simply based on a conversation? Or does um, there, I mean, can you see yourself committed to a woman, taking that we're heterosexuals here, but we committed to a woman that you have no physical attraction to? Just based uh, on personality, compatibility, whatever it might be. No, no, no. 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 Uh, no, I couldn't. Well, and and <laughs> like you know, like they say, you marry the your thing, be- like you marry your best friend, which I think in a lot of cases may be true. I right. think a lot of people obviously weigh different aspects of the courting process differently. But part of, for example, I'm married, happily married, seven years. I have two kids, a three year old and a six year old. How did I get to this point? Well, the place it started was visual interest. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's how I, it starts. I saw I saw somebody who I found attractive from from a visual standpoint and I said, Oh, I want to get to know her and then I got to know her personality and obviously that matched the criteria I was looking for as well. And then off to the races you go. But- right. And then you try to figure out, okay, well I got to figure out a path to get to her, you know, because physically I'm attracted to her. Yeah. All right. So I, I, you know, and, and by the way, it goes on both sides, right? You know, you know, you try to figure out that path if there's that attraction. Cause in the thing about this show, if you don't know about this show, love is blind, 
so they put these 16 men, 16 women, and they're like in these pods. And they're just holding these conversations with people they can't see. Yeah, they can hear each other's voices, but they never get right. an opportunity to And they, to they start, you know, other. as they talk more, they start sharing some intimate details about their lives and everything else. And then finally, I think there were six uh, pairs that actually said, you know, we're going we're gonna to do it. And st- they proposed. Without sight unseen, they actually proposed. And almost from the get-go, once they actually were face-to-face with these people, some of them are like, ah. <laughs> like immediately. I'm not the, so well, sure. Yeah, they're compatible. Like, we do have a lot of things in common, but I can't get past the fact that I, yeah, something's missing. Yeah. So. Well, and I'll say this about just life in general. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there are... I don't know. I mean, think about online shopping, for example. Right. You know what I mean? And that's that's a place where you do get an opportunity to see what you're purchasing. You do get an opportunity mm. to interact and see reviews, what other people may think about this product, what other uh, what, what, what other products are available. So you even have competition. Like, you know, uh, this company makes it this way, this company makes it that way. You know, and then so virtually, not sight unseen, but having never interacted with the product, it gets shipped to your house. And then once it's there, you have a decision to make. Is this something that I'm willing to trade the amount of money I paid for it to keep? Or do I want to return it because it's not quite what I thought I bargained for? And that is almost exactly the way I think about this show, Love is Blind, because I have been watching it. Mm. I haven't gotten as far in this season two as you have. I mean, you got you sparked me to watch this thing, yeah. and I surpassed us. <laughs> Everybody else, I got so hooked into this thing. And uh, so anyway, I, I just, you know... It, it's like it's like online shopping. It's like I, I mean I mean obviously the stakes are much higher because these people yeah. are proposing to one another, right? And then the, see, I'm I'm at the wedding point now, so oh, it's yeah. like yeah 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 yeah. We're on the and you can stuff, see yeah. that there, one guy's there and he's sweating profusely, <laughs> standing there like, and you know she's like yes, and he's like, how about you? He's like ah, cliffhanger. Well, I'll, right. I'll actually I, I'll relay it back to what we were talking about in Major League Baseball briefly because I do think I do think there is some carryover here. Mm-hmm. Like, let's put it this way, you know, maybe when Ron Manfred walks into a boardroom, right? Just just the fact that it's his voice, mm-hmm. his face, mm-hmm. his body language, his demeanor delivering some of these points is the disagreeable part of what's happening, right? You ever have a situation where, you know, you're you're talking to, I don't know, you're at a car dealership and you're buying a Toyota. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you're just you're tired of hearing whatever it is from the person you're the salesperson you're dealing with. You want to talk to somebody. Let me talk to your manager. And all of a sudden somebody with a little bit more couth, a little bit more experience talking with customers smooths everything out. It's not necessarily because they're delivering the news any differently or excuse me, they're de- delivering different news or different information. They're just delivering the same information differently. And so to me, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of history that's it probably affecting these uh, these negotiations between the players sure. and the owners. And maybe what they should do 
is do this blind, get into the pods and start talking to each other through a wall where their voices are hidden. Yes. And maybe these negotiations will well, progress a little differently. But, I mean, with all due respect to Gene Orza, who joined us last week, and if you don't know, he was general counsel for the Players Union and ended up being COO. He loves Rob Manfred, which I guess explains why deals got done. With Rob yeah. Manfred and Gene Orza over the years because there was something about Rob Manfred that Gene Orza to this day. The one, you know, we, we the thing about Gene Orza, we asked him two questions and he filled up about 15 minutes, right? <laughs> yes, he and, did. And I, I wanted to get one last question in with him, uh, but we just ran out of time. And, you know, my because he was singing the praise, right, of Rob Manfred. And I said, I, my question would be, well, what advice would you give your friend Rob Manfred in terms of doing a better job in the PR aspect of presenting to the public, the fans, what is going on in negotiations between? I mean, Adam Silver is really good at this. Like, I yes, mean, he is. I mean, the he, commissioner of the NBA, commissioner of the NBA, because. When when there's there obviously there's been negotiations between the union and the owners we don't hear anything about it like it's all done behind closed doors and if anything leaks out he's able to deflect it immediately and it doesn't become a big story and Goodell's pretty good at this as well I mean they got through this last collective bargaining agreement pretty much unscathed I wasn't any you know hoopla about it you know they made a deal and it was done. But this guy, um, but we never got to that question with Gene Orza. All right, on the other side, I want to get to this sportsmanship question because I think I think there's some validity. It's a little bit of the old school, new school, you know, tradition. Does it really matter? But first, uh, here's a guy that really understands relationships as we go to find out what's trending right now, and that is David Gascon. Have you seen this show at all? Love is no, I, it did give me. It's, a, it's really a bad show. But <laughs> it gave me flashbacks show, to but. a great show that I used to watch back yeah. in the day. I think Fox had it too. Mm -hmm. It was called Temptation Island. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So the beautiful I, people out there. I have uh, I have a good friend of mine. I will mm -hmm. not name his name, but yeah. um, he's an accountant. Uh, he's he's pretty tame. Not a wild guy at all. Very yeah. introvert like. And he's the one that introduced me to the show. And I thought, well, what the hell is this? Like, this guy's never excited about anything. And, uh, yeah, it was like a weekly occasion. He'd be watching it after I got home from work. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And, yeah, it was just Yeah, but you had a lot chaos. of bikini-clad girls, right? Yeah, but it was just great to see these dudes and well, these women just good crumble temptation. behind the scenes oh, after yeah. getting caught for cheating <laughs> yeah. on their significant other mm -hmm. on, like, on a paradise island. So it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. Rich, did you ever see that show? No, I didn't. So I what didn't. they did was they basically brought 10 couples to this island. Yeah. And these couples are all in love, blah, 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 like Steve and Denise. And, um, <laughs> and then they brought 10 good-looking guys and 10 beautiful women onto the same island that were all single. And then they put the, the men with the women, the single men with the you know women that were in a relationship and then vice versa. So they'd be partying it up, they'd be oh talking, they'd be one-on-one. -on -one. And the best part is, is they'd oh. have these like GoPro cameras and these other hidden cameras to basically spy and see what everyone's doing. <laughs> so sometimes there'd be like this intimate moment where a guy that was in a relationship is now with a single girl. They're talking, she's breaking him down, he's confessing, and then all of a sudden they show that tape 
to his girlfriend the following day. <laughs> oh, my god! It was really good. So you just see the fracturing of relationships right before he All dies. Right. I mean, great. the bottom line is we know this. It. Men are weak. I mean, we understand that. I mean, you know, you, you Sex is have- king, man. <sighs> what? I mean, it's undefeated. Like, well, exactly. Uh, that may and, be I mean, true. And, 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 and <laughs> mar- marriage was not an easy thing for me. It's not an easy thing for anybody. Yeah. It's not. No, you got to I mean, work. You, you got to work you, on a marriage. You have to commit to it. You know what? Speaking of committing, today's workday feels so much looser and better. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Mm. You know, there's no presence from the state of Iowa here today. Oh. <laughs> have you wow. noticed that? I mean, is it a little different with Don? Yes, much show. better, much smoother. Mm. Wow, easier, yeah. this, stress-free. Save this clip for uh, Iowa Sam when he returns. Don, go yeah. ahead and fire Iowa Sam if you like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you with that. It's good, um, yeah. guys. Uh, college basketball today: 15th ranked Illinois leading Michigan, 58 to 49, uh, is the tally there. UConn won today. Uh, number 22 Ohio State will tip things off about 30 minutes from now with Maryland. So those are the games right now in the top 25 as it stands. NBA, how about this? 76 has led the majority of the game, and now New York, uh, New York tied it, and now they're giving it right back. So the 76 is an eight-point lead, 115-107. James Harden's gone off. 29 points, 15 assists. Joel Embiid has 37. He's 23 of 27 at the free throw line. It's a lot of work at the church. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. So speaking of relationships, you know, we're getting close to one. I, I got my invitation. I think I'm a part of the wedding party for Ryan Bershinger's wedding that's coming up here in the near. Well, well, well. Well, you know where Iowa Sam is today. Yeah. He's at Gavin's wedding. Yeah, he was texting me, hung over about the whole thing. I was yeah. like, it's good to be invited to that. Yes, yeah. former producer of this show, yeah. Gavin. Yeah. And now Bershinger on the doorstep. Uh, Ryan uh, indicates that's not happening anytime soon. I'm hearing wedding bells, though. I mean, it's very, every it's time he shot. enters a Are you every feeling time the pressure, right? building. Yeah. Feeling the pressure, Ryan? Uh, only slightly. Slightly. All right. Well, then, then there is some pressure. There There's some is. hope. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gascon? Mm-hmm. I don't have time for this. So we're going to get back to you guys. we got sports programming to talk about right now. All right. Very good. We'll, uh, we'll check in with you a little bit later on. All right. Let me let me ask you this. This is, this is old school, new school stuff, right? And Tom Izzo is a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. And he and I are of the same age bracket, if you can believe that. I mean, he's I think he's three years older than me, but you can see what coaching could do to you, you know, if you're at that level. Anyway, so um, Izzo reacted to this whole Juwan Howard, uh, Greg, Greg Gard situation, and, you know, the pushing, shoving, grabbing, slapping, whatever that happened in that a Michigan-Wisconsin game uh, exactly a week ago today. We were watching it all unfold. And Izzo said, if you, if you were to – he goes, to me, taking away the handshake at the end of the game would be the biggest farce, joke, ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. He said, <laughs> we've already taught these poor 18-year-olds, this is a quote, that when you're told to go to class and you don't like it, you can leave. We've already told these kids that if you're not happy, you can do something else. We've already told these kids that it's hard to hold them accountable. And now we're going to tell them to not man up and walk down a line to someone who's kicked your butt and have enough class to shake their hand is utterly ridiculous. So if the president of the university thinks uh, they should do that, he's full of it. If you're the best coach in America, on and on and on. Uh, In fact, he did follow up by saying this. He said, 
What if there was a team that didn't want to shake hands with you? He goes, well, that's not happening here. We're shaking hands. If some team doesn't want to shake our hands, we're going to see 15 of my guys go down the line and shake air. We're going to shake air. <laughs> that's right. We're going to shake air. He actually mimed leave. it. Yeah. He mimed it. We're going to just shake in air right here. <laughs> All right. So you could say Izzo is of a different era, uh, which he is. Um, but, you know, just the, the the certain traditions, old school versus new school. Uh, Rich, you're of a different generation. So how how necessary is it in this day and age to have that certain level of the perceived sportsmanship of two combatants uh, on the court, on the field? Well, I could tell you my opinion on it. I I like it. I definitely like it. I like the fact that there's a certain level of humility that uh, sports teach you because I look, I mean, as, as much as you can bubble wrap people and try to protect them from hurt, life is going to hurt you as much as you want to, you know, try to avoid um, losing sometimes, sometimes you're going to lose. And, you know, I mean, look, I didn't, at the time I had no idea that sport uh, or, or playing, you know, lacrosse or basketball or football growing up as a kid was teaching me life lessons. But when you look back on your life of sports, especially on the other side of a retirement from professional football, I mean, most of my life has been dedicated to learning hard lessons on the field of play. And those hard lessons translate into real life whether it be raising children or now as I've progressed into a second career in broadcasting or just in general, you know, sometimes you fail at things, you know, and it's uncomfortable. And sometimes you're going to lose to somebody or lose, lose something important to you. And you're going to have to come to terms with that. And sports and, and my life playing sports has, ta- has taught me how to better handle those circumstances. So there is a part of me that really does agree with what Izzo's saying, that the humility that you are taught having to sort of suck it up immediately after getting dominated maybe by a team or losing a close game and it being very emotional to you and to have to shake hands with the very people who just beat you, it's 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 somewhat of a helpful learning tool. I remember, and this is really going old school. Nineteen ninety one Final Four, North Carolina played Kansas. Dean Smith, the legendary coach of North Carolina, against a young Roy Williams who had left his staff at North Carolina to become the head coach at Kansas. Kansas has won this game late, and Dean Smith gets called for a second technical foul. He's ejected. Less than a minute to go. And I'll never forget this because I was there in Indianapolis. So he gets ejected. And you can see his assistant coach, Bill Guthridge, was screaming at the official like, how dare you do this to Dean Smith? Dean Smith, you're going to eject him from a Final Four game. Right. So Dean Smith, as he is walking off the court, so he's ejected. He walks over to the Kansas bench. He shakes Roy Williams' hand. He goes right down the Kansas bench. The other team, right? Shakes the hands of the assistants. The kids are sitting there on the bench. He's shaking all their hands. It was an unbelievable scene. I mean, it was an unbelievable scene. But it also said, you know what? He did it right. All right, so, you know, maybe I got out of control here. But I want to I congratulate the other team. 
especially since, you know, their head coach used to be sitting next to me for 10 years as my assistant coach. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, we, we've talked about the national anthem. You know, is it really necessary for everybody to stand on the field for the national anthem? It's a tradition. We always hear that. It's a tradition. I still believe traditions are a big part of sports uh, because it's generational. It's passed on from generation to generation. This is why whatever the sport might be that you, you, you sort of hang on to traditions. Now, not everybody is a history nut like I am. I get that. You don't have to know the history of the game, but I do think there's certain traditions that play out well, regardless of what generation we're in. And as far as the handshaking, Look at 999 out of a thousand times. You don't even think about it. You shake the right. hands, you get off the court, you don't think about it. Then you have an incident like this, and everyone's like, "Oh, I don't think we should have that anymore." Well, oh. and, and that, see, that's look. There, there's always. I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah, give you a perfect example, and it's one that didn't work out all that well. And then it's it's back to the way it was prior to this this issue, NFC Championship game between the Saints and the Rams. There was an uncalled. Pass interference penalty, a Rams defender ran into a Saints receiver, and as a result of that, many people believe that's what vaulted the uh, the the Rams into the, the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Well, the truth is that game went to overtime after that fact, so the Saints did have some opportunities to get back into that game aside from that play alone, but don't get me wrong, that had an impact. There's no doubt about it. The spot foul or whatever it would have been um, – as a result of that penalty, could have helped the the Saints. So I'm not arguing that. But here's the point. The next year, the NFL switched the rules so that every single pass interference, well, not every single, but but pass interference was going to be a reviewable penalty. And there were going to be some rules about it, how often you're able to do it. There was going to be a booth review. But the, 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 the situation was... As a knee-jerk reaction to this one instance that was specifically hurtful to one fan base in one moment on a national stage, very similar to this handshake line where you had this incident, we're going to change the way we do everything. They found out the next season this is a bad rule. They switched it back, and we'll probably never see pass interference be a right. reviewable, reviewable penalty again. Are we going to allow... Juwan Howard's actions at the handshake line switch how we do everything, the one instance, because chances are it's not going to be a good change or an impactful change from the majority of the handshakes that occur across college basketball. All right, on the other side, speaking of tradition, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, should we still be beholden to the Rose Bowl in terms of the future of a possible college football playoff. We'll tell you why that seems to be the case, at least now, coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Steve Arben and Rich Arnberger. We were talking earlier here on Fox Sports Sunday about whether we could ever get with college football where we are with college basketball, the spectacular March Madness. Could we ever have the equivalent uh, in Division I football? And one of the holdups, apparently, is the fate of the Rose Bowl. The granddaddy of them all. Uh, One of the fears about expanding the playoffs was that it would leave the Rose Bowl high and dry Uh, because the way the current format works is the top-ranked team out of the Big Ten and the top-ranked team out of the Pac-12 not in the playoff are the two teams that match up in the Rose Bowl. Keeping with this Big Ten, Pac-10, Pac-12 tradition that goes back to the late 1940s. And here is the fear in most years then, if you expand the playoff, there's a possibility that the Rose Bowl ends up with the number three team out of the Big Ten versus the number four team out of the Pac-12 if you take away all the premier teams that might be participating uh, in the playoff. And so the question is, should we be beholden to the Rose Bowl? I mean, I've heard people suggest this that the Rose Bowl should host the national championship game every year. That every single year, the final destination is the Rose Bowl. Right. That it is the ultimate venue for college football. That it should always be on the 1st of January. There is a tradition there that goes all the way back over 100 years. That that would be good for college football if you knew – Ultimately, you're getting to the Rose Bowl. Now, Rich, you know about the Rose Bowl. Yep. And you have told me on many occasions when you walked on that field, you felt it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. I'll describe it. Um, I'll describe it this way. You know, you don't realize it. You don't think about it at all when you're playing, right? Um, but pregame. And I felt this way at Lambeau Field. I was with the Arizona Cardinals. We played a road game at Lambeau. Uh, I felt this way walking on the field during my time at Penn State, uh, at Notre Dame. Like there are certain campuses, certain universities, certain football fields where you get an opportunity to play there. And especially in Pasadena for a Rose Bowl, my Penn State team taking on USC in the 2009 Rose Bowl. Uh, it was one of those one of those moments I'll never forget. Now, the truth is, the field was absolutely awful. <laughs> you know, they painted the grass for the television broadcast. They actually paint they spray painted the grass green, right, in order to make it look because the field was just slop. It was a complete mess, and it wasn't because of weather. It was just chewed up from hosting other other events on the field. But that's neither here nor there. There was this intangible historical significance to being out there on the football field 
And so, yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a difference when you're when you're playing in a venue like that on a on on a January first. Yeah, I, there is so much tradition. I mean, you were on the same field technically, although you're on a painted field that the, <laughs> that the four horsemen of Notre Dame were there on the first of January of 1925. Um, but the reality is, they're not going to make concessions to the Rose Bowl. Right. They're not going to do that at all. In fact, the reason that we don't have a single venue for college football's championship game is that there's more money to be had elsewhere. You know, you get a competition. All right. You're going to pay X amount of dollars to host this championship. And then the next stadium says, all right, we'll up the ante a little bit more. I mean, that's just the economics. Same thing we have with Super Bowl sites. I mean, you know, we... We pass these things around. You build a new stadium. Guess what? If you're going to spend that kind of money on a new stadium, boom, you're going to get a Super Bowl. That's the way it works. Um, I don't know. I mean, if this is the holdup, and and again, I'm, I'm citing what they were talking about here. You know, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC, the alliance, heading up the, you know, you know putting their forces up against the powerful SEC in this negotiation to span the playoffs, they voted against it. Yep, And they were citing a, a myriad of reasons why. And this is one of the things that came up. Well, we don't want to have the Rose Bowl saddled with the possibility of having like a third place team out of the big. And I'm like, really? Um, look, I'm a traditionalist big time. You know that. But even I can see at some point, move on. I mean, ultimately, if that's a holding up process to get what I ultimately want, which is a true playoff in Division One football, Put it aside because yeah. the fact is, is that should not be a sticking point. I don't care where they play the games. I just want the best schools to have an opportunity and even the upset minded schools to have that opportunity to play for a national championship. Well, and you know, I think you, I think you've got the right idea about this. I think the sites where these games are played almost play secondary to making sure that you have the correct number of teams involved in the final bracket to decide who's a national champion and um, and who you select to be in those spots, whether it's conference champions, at-large bids, a mixture of both. However you decide to get there is going to be and, – and then, frankly – um, however many number of teams you're going to invite to this bracket is more important than the site of any of these games. That can be on a rotational basis. That could be set in stone. I don't think anybody really cares. What people care about is making this better than it is currently because right now the system works, but not well. No, it doesn't. And, and hopefully we'll figure this whole thing out uh, in our lifetimes, although yours is longer than mine. All right, we got some <laughs> NFL news for you coming up next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, once again, a, a big Sunday here on Fox Sports Sunday. Hartman and Ormberger with you. Uh, we've covered a lot of different things as we uh, count down the hours now to see if Major League Baseball can come up to some agreement between the players and the league to get a season started on time. Uh, we're talking about unbelievable day in college basketball yesterday, Rich. Seven top ten teams in one day lost, including one, two, three, four, five, six. Unprecedented in the history of the AP poll. We've covered a lot of different things, but need I remind everybody that 
Tuesday is the start of the NFL Combine. Tuesday is the start of the NFL Combine. It's actually here. Yesterday, we were talking to Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports uh, NFL insider. He said he would be in Indianapolis for the 18th consecutive year covering the NFL Combine. But it's not always going to be there. Now they're talking about moving it around. Uh, By the way, Rich, did you see this about who's not going to be there for the Rams? Who's that? Uh, Les Snead and Sean McVay are not going to be there. Uh, And the reason is they don't have any picks. (laughs) But the Rams uh, made it clear. They announced that Sean McVay and Lesney will not be attending the Combine to take a look at the prospects, work out anybody at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, They say, uh, yeah, F them picks. We don't need any of those. Well, uh, let me me say this about about the Combine. I think that if anybody – is under any sort of delusion that seeing a bunch of former college athletes uh, who will be uh, turning to pro athletes run around in their underwear is any sort of like intense determination as to whether or not they're going to be able to hack it at the next level is strongly misinformed. I mean, is it part of the puzzle? How they perform on the 225 bench test, how they perform in the 40-yard dash, the 10-yard split, the three-cone drill, the, the, the shuttle. Yeah, I mean, I guess the broad jump, the vert, sure, it's part of it, but it's a very small part of it. You know, that, that, that stuff, I mean, it really pales in comparison to what kind of guy you are and also uh, what kind of football player you are. You know, mentally, where you at? That's the most important criteria because I think, you know, as we all know, sports are predominantly mental. And then physically, are you good enough? If you, if the answer is yes to both those things, if you can play football, you've got somebody who can probably play at the next level. To what level or to what ability level? You're not sure until you get them on a pro field. But the combine you know, just from a standpoint of the drills and watching these athletes participate is a pretty useless endeavor these days. All right. So think about this. Uh, Ultimately for the players, 324 players were invited to the combine. Yeah. 324 players. Uh, Unless there are NFL draft rules, not broken or broken or the additional compensatory picks are added. 259 players are drafted. Okay. So you got 324 players that are going to show up at the combine with the idea of getting drafted or yep. improving their draft position or whatever it might be. 324 players. So the combine starts on Tuesday. It goes for like till Monday or Sunday or Monday. How much time do they get? Because you think about it. Every one of these guys, every one of these kids, 324 of them all have the same aspiration. They want to play in the NFL. So when they go to the combine, they're like, hey, this is a big deal. I'm going to be at the combine. Eyeballs are on me. What's the reality? How much time are they actually going to be seen out of these 324? Or is it a situation where there are certain players that might be at the top of the list that get 90% of the attention, and then everyone else just gets the scraps? Is that the reality of the combine? The reality of the Combine is this is something that used to be an opportunity for teams to gather prospects in one area of the country so they didn't have to spend as much money on logistics. There you go. 
You know what I mean? Like we're, we're talking about sending scouts to every pro day. That was difficult back then because the NFL wasn't making nearly as much money as it is now. So when you are really starting to come down the stretch of the offseason, look at how much you earned in profits versus how much you can spend, how big your staff is going to be, et cetera, et cetera, you start to make some hard decisions like whose pro day can we actually see? You know, who, wh- wh- you know, are we going to Ole Miss or are we, we going to Alabama this year? You know, is that drivable? You know, you, logistically, like we're talking about 25 years ago, these were still conversations happening in the NFL. That has disappeared. With the advent of social media, everybody knows who's good. With the advent of film being shared seamlessly, I'm talking about from the college level to the NFL level, that problem has been resolved. Now, don't get me wrong. There is something to being in the same room with these athletes. That's important. That'll always be important. And getting to know these people personally, hearing their stories, hearing the way they talk about football, hearing the way they relate to coaches, all those things are important. And the combine does serve that purpose to a certain extent, but no more so than sending somebody from your scouting staff (laughs) to these actual schools and spending some time with these players, whether it be in the off season on their pro day or during the football season and watching them play the game that they're going to be playing at the pro level. So look, the combine is sort of antiquated, but we still do it because now it's become a, a worldwide phenomenon and success success story with fans. Fans actually will pay to go and attend this. People will watch. Yes. This now this is the first time ever that the NFL is giving fans a chance. Yeah. And by the way, those in attendance will be able to enter in a contest to win Super Bowl tickets, That's which right. is why the NFL, looking for another money-making opportunity, is saying, all right, this is the 35th annual event. It's been hosted in Indianapolis since 1987. Now we see an opportunity to make money and start moving this NFL combine to all these different locations, much as they've done with the NFL draft, which has exceeded expectations. Exactly. I mean, no one ever dreamt. You remember that that downpour they had in Nashville and they had a half a million people in the streets for the NFL draft? Are you kidding me? So let me ask you this. So this will be the schedule. Like You're, you're a fan, and I think you can get up to five tickets. So you can bring the family, right? Uh, so on Thursday, you get to see this is like a seven-hour window. Uh, you have four days with these tickets. So you got tight ends, quarterbacks, and wide receivers. And then on Friday, you get offensive linemen and running backs. And then Saturday, defensive linemen and linebackers. And hold on for Sunday, a little bit shorter session, defensive backs. Now, is this something that you could see you and your sons? I mean, they're a little young, but, you know, let's project another six years down the road, right? Let's say uh, Ty and Sebastian are like uh, 12 and 10 or something like that, right? Sure. Could you see yourself as a dad who played in the league and your boys never saw you in the league? They see pictures. They're like, Dad, you're like in the leather helmet days. Anyway, (laughs) could you see investing in tickets to sit there and watch the NFL Combine? Absolutely not. (laughs) But I will say this. Yes. I'm not for a second going to make fun of somebody who's interested in that. Right. I'm not for a second going to underrate the importance for the NFL and for maybe the fans uh, availing another opportunity for people to interact with these athletes. Because you know what I think happens when there is a wide cavern between the players and the fans? 
is every time a negative story comes out, you know, about some awful instance that occurred off the field, you know, we have this weird, or I, I should say we've we've had in the past this weird situation where people just make broad assumptions about NFL players or Major League Baseball players or NBA players in, in total. Like they just start generalizing everybody because one guy did something off the field that was awful. Well, that means every because these players need to be held accountable because these players, these players, these players. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not everybody does those sort of things. And I think the more opportunities you have for fan engagement, the more opportunities that fans have to interact with players. Social media has been a great window, but more of these situations like the draft or like the combine or, you know, opportunities uh, at games, whatever it may be, preseason, training camp practices, I think those are great opportunities too. I, I You know, I would never, I would never give somebody a hard time who's interested in going to the combine. But me personally, that's just not something I'm interested in doing at all. Well, uh, keep in mind this. 56,000 people showed up for the Pro Bowl in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Tr- yeah, buddy. And the tickets were not free. So and, you, and, and you, that's you another paid perfect example. a pretty good penny yep. to see some of the, not all, but some of the biggest stars in the NFL play a touch football game. And yet it seems like who would do that 56,206 did in Vegas. Um, I'm with you. I mean, I, you know, we, we sit here because we have the combine on, you know, how this is going to be. You watch the combine. It's, you know, you got guys running the 40 agility drills, the whole shebang. How high can they jump? I hear you were really good in the broad jump. Is that true? Yeah, I was, I forget exactly how far I broad jump, but I had a good broad jump. I had good. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't even, the truth is Steve, I mean, how many times did you do a standing broad <laughs> jump in the course of an NFL game? Did you yeah. ever ever stand there and just watch Never. yourself in a standing broad jump during a game? Oddly enough, the only time, I know this sounds weird, <laughs> the only time that I've ever trained for a broad, tr- broad jump or executed one right. was for the pro day that mm-hmm. I did at Penn State where – I was being watched by numerous scouts across the NFL. That was it. That was the one and only time I got to do that. So look, I, 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 I don't. I let's let's put this in its appropriate place. I don't think that the NFL Combine is useless. I think there is uses not only to to spend time with these athletes and get to know them on an interview basis, but also for these league executives to all be in the same city for you know, a span of four or five days, you know, where deals get done, you know, trades start being spoken of. And, you know, how many times is there breaking NFL news non-related to the prospects coming out of college football on the other side of the NFL combine because some sort of deal was struck at St. Elmo's Steakhouse in Indianapolis, right. or, you know, soon to come to a city near you. you. You get my point. So there is some value in the combine. But in terms of the actual events that you're watching take place on the field, the 40, the vertical, the broad jump, the, the shuttle times, the, even the passing drills on air, that isn't football. It's not even close to a correlation of football. It, it's, it's now just a viewership event. All right. Uh, reportedly, Troy Aikman is due, uh, due to become the highest paid commentator in NFL history. NFL history. 
Should we care? I mean, Troy's a friend of ours, by the way, Rich. We've had him on our show many, many times over the years. Um, what what does it take for to be a commentator, either a play-by-play or an analyst, where you say to yourself, I have to watch that game to hear what they say? What do you have to bring to the table to get to that level? We'll talk about some of those that did and whether – that can never be duplicated again coming up next. Steve Harvey, Rich Arnberger, Fox Sports Sunday. Now, if you follow our Sunday show here on Fox Sports Radio, you know during the NFL season, we do Red Zone Radio. And our job, Rich, is to watch as many games as we can possibly have. We have five uh, monitors in our studios here. So, right. uh, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to convey the action as it's happening. And in fact, we always depend on, you know, Ryan or Sam or every, all the eyeballs. We're trying to watch multiple games at the same time. And we're enjoying these games immensely. The one thing we don't have is sound. We can't hear the commentators because obviously we're doing a radio show, so we can't have multiple TVs with the sound on. So we're just visualizing. We're watching the games. Can't hear anything from a play-by-play guy or a analyst on the games. On December 20th, 1980, Rich, NBC did something that had never been done before and has never been done since. They aired an NFL game. It was the final week of the season between the Miami <laughs> Dolphins and the New York Jets. Don Olmeyer, who ironically was one of the founders, producer, directors of Monday Night Football. Yep. He was the NBC executive who decided – we're going to carry this game from the Orange Bowl in Miami with no announcers. That's right. It was an announcerless game. Uh, the ratings actually were pretty decent, curiosity, but overall it was panned. Uh, they tried to use more graphics. Remember, this is 1980, so you have no social media. Uh, they actually had the PA announcer at the Orange Bowl. They sort of mic'd him up so he could hear him. But basically the idea was you're just sitting in your seats at the game. Like, you'd be watching like you would be at the game at the Orange Bowl. You can't hear announcers. You're just sitting there watching the game. That was the concept of it. I bring this up because it just seems there's such a premium now, money-wise, for all these announcers. And, hey, we're big fans of Troy Aikman. He's a great announcer. And now he's going to get rewarded with a huge deal to Bolt Fox to go to Monday Night Football. But, Rich, you're, you're a radio guy. There's a whole different game here. When you're on the radio, we depend on you oh, yeah. to tell us exactly what's happening down distance, give us a picture of the game. But in television, because I think back to the earliest days of Monday Night Football with Cosell, he was a polarizing guy, and we all agreed there was no one like John Madden. He brought everything. I mean, he had, he had the knowledge, he had the presentation, he had everything that made you want to hear what John Madden had to say. But outside no of that, I mean – I mean, how 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 valuable are these play-by-play guys or or these analysts on televising an NFL game? Well, I will. Um, I, again, I'm just bringing you inside of my world, inside of my household. Right. Um, two things that I find specifically interesting about the the television broadcast, the announcer and the color analyst, uh, is one from whether it be the play-by-play voice or the analyst voice, what you learn is about the story behind that week's game planning, 
you know, a conversation that mm-hmm. the play-by-play voice remembers from the week, the production meeting leading up to about how they were going to be using a certain wide receiver in the game plan, an injury situation that, you know, there was debate as to whether or not a guy was going to be go- able to go and and to what capacity or, you know, specifically how a game plan was going to be involved in today's decision-making, whether it be offensively or defensively. Hey, you know, they're going to stick to a more run-heavy oriented script to start the game, and then we'll see. Or, you know, look, it's a young quarterback. They're going to come after him with pressure. That was the tone we got in our production meeting. Those are the little things that you don't have access to that the announcers do leading up to the game. And then also, there are times where a color analyst, whether he played the position of quarterback or he has some specific insight into what an offensive coordinator, uh, his role may be in a certain situation, may bring you inside of the game a little bit more. So that's one standpoint. The other standpoint, frankly, look, I have two little kids running around the house and I can't spend every single second in front of the television watching what's going on. So there are times where I'm tending to something else, you know, sitting on the floor, you know, coloring with coloring books for crying out loud. And I have the game on and I can hear what's going on behind me, even though I'm not watching it. You know, so there, I I mean, I know it sounds, that's just inside the Ornberger household. I'm sure there are certain parents who are shaking their head too, but there is some value in it. It's not to say it's valueless, you know. I, I don't know. What do you, What are your thoughts? Well, process? I mean, I you know, because I'm talking about Troy Aikman, and somebody yeah. made the argument, all right, so obviously, uh, if indeed, and by the way, he hasn't even acknowledged he's accepted this deal, but by all accounts, New York Post is reporting it will be done, which means that Lewis Riddick and, and Brian Greasy are out. Troy Aikman will be there. We don't even know who the play-by-play guy is going to be yet. They've been talking about trying to get Joe Buck away from Fox, but if he doesn't come, maybe it's Al Michaels and Troy Aikman doing Monday Night Football. But the bottom line on all of this is I I think we're in this day and age now where when most people are watching NFL football, we talk about doing red zone radio, and obviously DirecTV has had red zone, you know, uh, with Siciliano and and, and providing information, right? I mean, we have so many so-called NFL fans that only are concerned about these games in terms of the numbers. Fantasy football, they're betting on the games. This is the only thing that really matters to them. They're not really okay. concerned about the commentary that were true, or like though. the behind-the-scenes story and everything else. If they that just were true, want though. the nuts and bolts. Give me the numbers. Nah, give me the score. I disagree. Well, you don't think that a lot of people – why do you think Red Zone Radio – Red Zone Television for years, right? You're right. not hearing any commentary. You're just watching highlights. Why are so many people watching that? Yeah, you are hearing commentary. You're hearing the commentary from when they switch to the games. You're still having a narrator. You're still having the voice of these games bring you the action. I mean, just because you're watching it on mute doesn't mean the rest of the world does. Everybody, When you turn into Red Zone Radio, of course they're announcers. They're not just showing you highlights. The whole broadcast is being narrated constantly. You know, so look, Steve, I, I think you're I, – I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to say you're misinformed, but I think you're missing the point. Like the, the, the purpose of a broadcaster in, you know, in a visual game like football on television is to, again, to, to kind of weave the tapestry of the game to tell the whole story of the game. And I don't know how 
specifically important that is to you, but I know for a fact it is specifically important to a lot of people who watch football, so much so that when there is a color analyst or a play-by-play uh, a voice who's not doing a good job, it is literally all you hear about on social media the night of a game. I mean, we've had some recent examples of, especially in the color analyst seat, somebody who is annoying people while they're watching the football game, you know, who people don't respect their opinion. It happens all the time. So if that's the case, if you if people could be so moved to the to the point where they're tweeting about how distracting a color analyst or a play-by-play voice is on a broadcast on social media instead of talking about the game on social media, then clearly there is an importance in terms of who you hire as your broadcaster for these games. Well, and again, if social media is any barometer, and a lot of people insist you got to be kidding me, right? You know how it is. There are far more complaints <laughs> about announcers on this social media than is there true. is praise. I mean, it's like, get this guy off the air. Why is he still doing games? Why are we subjected to this guy every single week? That's the tone of social media. All right, that is not the case when this man is broadcasting games. Let's find out what's uh, trending right now as we welcome back David Gascon. What's I don't that? know. Do, when you when you listen to either play-by-play guys, especially someone that does it you know, for a living uh, or listens to an analyst work, do you find yourself more hypercritical or because you know the difficulty of what they do, do you seem to tend to say, you know, this guy's good? Well, let me preface this first by saying that I'm I'm homegrown in L.A. Yeah. And so I've had the luxury of growing up with Scully, mm-hmm. Chick Hearn, yep. Al Michaels, mm-hmm. Dick Enberg, yep. and the great Bob Miller. Sure. Those guys were exceptional. Yes. Like, those guys were elite. Mm-hmm. And then I was fortunate enough to hear some of the Nashville guys, uh, you know, Jack Buck was one of them, yep. that they just have a different flavor to them, but... I think a lot of sportscasters nowadays are more stats-driven, and part, part of that is due to COVID, but the other part is they're so in tune with numbers as opposed to the anecdotal stuff behind an athlete. Right. And I think that stuff for me just sticks out more just because of the profession I'm in. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. You mentioned Vince Scully, right? Yeah. Like, that dude could read the phone book and it would sound like poetry. Well, and again, for those of us that grew up with Scully, and I did, you know, I was born the year the Dodgers came to L.A., so I, I literally listened to Scully my entire life. Yeah. But, you know, he was a storyteller. Yeah. And he worked alone. And, you History know, toward, major. But then there were, you know, me, having listened to Scully's stories all these years, I can't get enough. Yeah. But I, a, a younger generation is like, what is this old man talking about? I mean, what relevance is that? And so it is very generational. Um, you know, you you get used to what you're used to, right? You yeah, grow but up with something. I mean, I've heard legendary see, announcers that I think are way overrated. Yeah, that some people say, "Are you kidding me?" He's the best of all time because that's what they were raised with. Yeah, I see. Part of me though is like when you look at that. If if I told the story of Steve Hartman today. It would be your points per game, your assists, your right. turnovers, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. But then it's like Steve Hartman went to UCLA, grew up in Woodland Hills. His father was in entertainment. 
his mother was this, yeah. his kids are that, his ex-wife's this. Like, there's like these layers that go into right. the story of Steve Hartman, which right. I feel like aren't acknowledged as much. And then that leads you to, to a story that goes about history. Like, it's the one thing with Scully. He graduated from Fordham. He was a history major. Like, he has a catalog of information that he has at his fingertips, which a lot of broadcasters these days, frankly, do not. But I mean, that just goes back to why he was so good and exceptional at what he did. It just that is the gold standard for which broadcasters try to emulate. And 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 also, look, why is it that certain I, I don't know, like certain broadcasts are better than others? You know, sometimes it's the game, but sometimes you're just listening to the broadcasters have a good time talking yes. about the game and and the the charisma and the relationship and your comfort with their voices or like bringing you the the yeah, well, or, I mean, or think frankly about, lack thereof. There, I mean, there's there's too. always going to be not always, but there is there are times there's a pair where the play-by-play broadcaster prepares for a game and the killer analyst doesn't, and vice versa. Oh yeah, guys don't prep. Oh yeah, you happens know? all the well, time. And, and again, getting back to Troy Aikman, where we started this conversation, he and Joe Buck have done it for a long time. Yeah, and they share a lot of personal stuff, That's and it what, does. And it, it, you know, it's it's like friends. Hey, it's good to see you guys again. How you doing? What you guys do since the last game? And they do share a lot of that. They do yeah. have personal experiences that they share, and I I love that. Yeah, I mean, I really I mean don't do forget Joe Buck, like his dad. He's He's a baseball guy. Yes. And so baseball guys always have an abundance of information that they can go to at any given time. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy that combination. I like Al Michaels with Collinsworth. Sure. Um, I grew up, even in the 90s, I loved when Costas was with uh, Steve Snapper Jones and Bill Walton. Yep. I don't know. I love the NBC combinations yes. back in the day. I love Doc Emmerich. But every sport has a different feel to it. And so... Yeah, you also have, the, have to have the voice behind it, too. There's just certain guys that mm-hmm. resonate in a different – I mean, Scully did baseball. He did football. He did golf. Yes, he did the Masters He did years. Masters. So, but Scully is baseball, and baseball is Scully. Yeah. And some of the other guys just – like Gary Thorne mm-hmm. was the National Hockey League for me if it wasn't for Bob Miller, right? And Gary yeah. Thorne is a Baltimore Orioles guy. He's on the East Coast, but – Gary Thorne's awesome. <laughs> just, yeah, just, I love Dick Enberg. Dick Enberg was, I mean, Dick Enberg did football, baseball, basketball, tennis. Yeah. Just because he did of, everything. Just because of his recent passing, I mean, I realized how important John Madden was to my young, you oh, know, yeah. sports viewing life. And I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but I, there won't be a Thanksgiving that goes by that I don't at, – at, at least once think about John Madden, yeah. like, you know, or the Turducken or, you know, every every Thanksgiving, you, you know, you're setting your table and you're about to sit down on the East Coast and there's Madden holding a turkey leg. It's yeah. just, it's amazing how you do weave, even in a visual content uh, provided on television, you do weave in the voices that you hear behind the action into the action like it's it's as much a part of the picture as the picture itself yeah i mean for as as crazy as he could be bill walton with dave pash (laughs) is a a great great pairing well dave pash does a great job he does he understands how to work a bill he does i mean bill walton two minutes into a game (laughs) we'll talk like there's gonna be overtime in this game no And that's just how he is, and I mean, Pash he, just goes he, seamlessly into his call. He goes off on call. so many tangents, and and look, I work with people like that. You you just you, you don't fight it. Dave Pash does not fight it. No, you just let him go. 
you figure out how to work. Dave does a great job. It's a dance, Walton. right? It's yeah. like that dance. It's great that rhythm job. that you got to have. Yeah. So yeah, you're not controlling Bill Walton, and Dave Pash understands that. So roll with it. <laughs> yeah, roll now, with it. You guys, you know, if you have any suggestions or need a, someone to fill in on a Monday yeah. night game, I can. Yeah, I can certainly uh, you know lace them up and uh, put on a three piece <laughs> suit if you guys are uh, you know writing those checks anywhere. So oh, yeah, <laughs> guys, uh, college basketball today. Ohio State and Maryland just getting themselves underway. For 14-14 is the score. James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers won today at New York, 125 to 109. Harden, the ball game, had 29 points, and Joel Embiid victorious, 37 points, did a lot of his damage at the free throw line today. I, I guess, you know, East Coast, Rich, who was the guy for you growing up? Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or I mean, John Sterling had Sterling. been there forever with the Yankees. Um, Ernie Harwell. Yeah, there. I mean, there are voices all over. The New York game. And, you know, frankly, what's interesting about how you were talking about how growing up, walking into, you know, walking to the car and opening the car door and hearing voices. I mean, radio on the East Coast, you know, it was, it was uh, Mike and the Mad Dog yeah. growing yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to say Mike and the Mad Dog. Absolutely. You know, you just, you just, there are just certain voices that you get used to hearing. And whether or not you necessarily agree with them or like them from a personality standpoint or whatever, they're just comfortable to listen to. And that's definitely the world now that we reside in, in terms of Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, in terms of Chris and Al. Uh, it, it, there, there are just some of those those voices that you can't you can't separate them from the day of the week or the game that they're playing they're calling. It's it's just interesting how it all but works. But they're very regional. That's the whole point. It's very and rare that's true too that somebody has that national appeal. Very rare. Um, uh, well, that's the, certainly the case with one. Uh, you know. David Gascon. Uh, David, like thank you very national, much. Right. We're, we are national. What are you talking about? We are national. We are. And we do We're have international, a national too. Bit. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, we got the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I have a question, uh, David. Thank you very much. Uh, did you see the sudden retirement of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers guard at age 28 after making his first Pro Bowl? Ali Marpet. Yeah. Yep. I mean, what's the story here? He's like, many consider him the best offensive lineman on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 28 years of age, seven years in the league, just made his first Pro Bowl, and he says, yep, that's it for me. I'm done. Well, this is becoming more commonplace yes. in football. You know, we're seeing earlier retirements than we're used to, or I should say than has occurred in the past, because especially at certain positions like linebacker, offensive line, defensive line, uh, there's so much contact on every single play that, I mean, I don't blame anybody for stepping away from the game. He was he, due, by the way, yeah. $10 million in salary in 2022. He walked away from $10 million next season. Yeah. There have been a rash of these early retirements mm -hmm. uh, as of as of late. You know, it's Luke Keekley? Yeah, Luke Keekley's a perfect example. Um, look, whether it be due to injury or not, uh, or, or just, just the fact that maybe concerns about their future health. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe there's, there's more issue with, Hey, if I keep doing this, what am I going to look like in 20 years? I mean, people were coming out from every direction to, you know, to cast aspersions against Andrew Luck, you know, when he announced his retirement, it was, um, it was news that broke. Uh, during the Indianapolis Colts' final preseason game 
It was a home game hosted by the Indianapolis Colts. And, I mean, he got booed off the field the last time he was in a Colts uniform or, or on the sideline with the Colts. He wasn't playing in the game. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's an, Rob Gronkowski is considered an early retirement. Now, he came out of retirement to play with – with uh, with with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, but that's another example. And th- there is precedent from this in the recent past, in the distant past. Calvin Johnson, obviously, Barry Sanders, yeah, even Jim. Well, Brown. there's a difference between. I mean, Gronk was really banged up, but when you talk about a Calvin Johnson and Andrew Luck, uh, you know, how about uh, Keekly? Uh, I mean, these guys could still play. Chris Borland, yeah, remember, remember that absolutely third round draft pick uh, back 49ers. in 2014 with the 49ers. Yeah. I think he only played three seasons. If that was it was, it. was concerned about his future health and he walked away. <sighs> it's just one of those situations where I don't. Uh, okay, having played six years in the NFL mm-hmm. uh, and endured a lot of orthopedic injuries, I'm talking about you know just the body, you know. Uh, Today, you know, my hips are hurting. Tomorrow, it's going to be my ankles or my knee. My back sometimes flares up. You know, you just have things that you walk away from the game that you know that you're going to walk away from the game feeling lousy from. My shoulders, I had two shoulder operations, one on each. You know, the back surgery that essentially ended my career. Like, those are the things you you almost sort of bargained for in a way. Like, you, you just, you know it's a dangerous game. You know you're going to tear ligaments. You know all that stuff. But the part of it that does keep you up at night some nights, just to speak frankly about it, is the fact that, you know, it's not just the games. It's all the practices. It's all the training camps. It's the it's it's the accumulation of that subconcussive trauma that you're not sure if it's going to have longstanding effects on your mental health, on your like your physical cognitive I should say your neurocognitive abilities uh down the line in your life and so yeah look Marpet he hangs it up I think um I think that's probably an individual decision but it is interesting that he's retiring the same year that Tom Brady Mm -hmm. announces his retirement Mm -hmm. I'm very curious to see yeah well Brady was 44 he's 28 (laughs) yeah it's a big difference in age I understand yeah a few more dollars in the bank but anyway he makes that decision and walks away from a a 10 million dollar salary in 2022 all right on the other side Our final predictions on where the negotiations are going in terms of Major League Baseball in 2022. Coming up next. Coming down the stretch here on Fox Sports Sunday, Hartman and Orenberger. I want to thank the real Don Brown for hanging out with us this weekend. Oh, yeah. Don, well, I don't know when we'll see again, but uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming by. Hell of a ride. There he is. Uh, David Gascon. Lots to say every day. And uh, well worth the listen. And then there's Ryan uh, making preparation. I mean, he's trying to produce this show. But uh, also wedding plan. And wedding plan at the same time. Yeah, it's kind (laughs) of crazy. Which is a very complicated matter. In fact, by the way, you and I are going through this with our our Monday through Friday producer, Fletch. Yeah, He's also trying to produce our show while getting ready for his actual wedding day. Down in San Diego, getting the tux fitted. Oh, my. Getting getting the flowers ordered. I, I mean, look, Ryan... I mean, am I ready to be, uh, you know, a godfather to your first child? Mm. I, I mean, maybe. Maybe. I, he's, uh, but he's things there. are moving quickly, you know. And by the way, uh, ever since uh, Rich moved to the morning show slot uh, with us uh, down in San Diego, he hasn't had a good night's sleep since. You know, he's he, trying to train two little boys to, you know, sleep through the night can be tough sometimes. 
Yeah, no, that's not happening. Yeah. I think I'm I'm just entered a space where <laughs> I'm just going off of about three four hours of sleep per yeah. night uh, during the weekdays, and I I mean that which, was me for years. By the way, yeah. I I used to operate on about four to four and a half hours of sleep, and I did that for many years when my kids were young. Yeah. That was just my new norm. It was four, if I was lucky, four and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. Working every day. And you just, yeah. you know, you just get used to it. So that's, you, Yeah, uh, it's fine. It's a, you know, it's not worth well, it's complaining not over you, because nobody no. cares. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. All right, I'll tell you what our <laughs> listeners do care about is baseball. And as we speak, we have no new news uh, in terms of the negotiation. We do know they're meeting. But let me ask you this. How much harm is done by a delay in opening day? How much harm is done by, let's say, delaying opening day by a month? Or our buddy Maury Brown, who covers Major League Baseball with Forbes, he suggested maybe June 1st. Uh, any, any harm done to Major League Baseball? We haven't missed a regular season game, not counting, of course, the pandemic, uh, since 1995. Yeah, there will be harm done. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, let's let's face it. Look, if you if you're a person, especially a person who pays for season tickets, if you're a person who goes to baseball games, and you know you justify spending hard-earned money on this product, I, I mean, it doesn't matter what side you are siding with, and I think the majority of people will side with the players here, but it's 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 not good once you start missing games because that. A starts that starts affecting the fans. You know the fan like like you've said many times, Steve, and I agree with this assessment. The fans don't care really. I mean, yes, you know when you start to look at you know who started it and what's happening with the negotiations and who's dragging their feet. Yeah, you could get kind of pulled into the minutia of the thing, but at the end of the day. Who cares from a fan standpoint who's getting paid and how much? You just want to watch baseball. And if there is no baseball, it is going to affect the sport. It is. And, look, I go back to the 94-95 lockout in Major League Baseball. And when baseball did return, it – there was some rough water. I mean, you'd wiped out an entire postseason, which had never happened, and even delayed the start of the following year – but that all changed three years later when all of a sudden a juiced-up Mark McGuire and a juiced-up Sammy Sosa put a salt on the record books and both passed Roger Maris's all-time record. There are ways to repair. And once the games begin and you're back out at the ballpark and you're back seeing the games, it just seems like that's past history. All is forgotten. I agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think any uh, harm is going to be done despite the fact that we talk about diminishing attendance, diminishing numbers with TV, the profits have never been higher. I mean, the net profit of Major League Baseball has gone up every single year, with the exception, obviously, of the shortened 2020 season. So baseball's okay. Rather have it sooner rather than later, Rich. That's all I can say. Want to get there as soon as we possibly can. No doubt. Uh, let's Let's hope that's the case. And look, we still have until I think it's, Midnight tomorrow night. Yep. To get this thing done, uh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe zero hour heroics will take place here. All right. Uh, when it does happen, we'll be all over that for everything you need to know in the world of sports. Keep it here on Fox Sports Radio. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 